Welcome to the Ether. Today is Saturday, November 19th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Omniflix in the studio, Saturday edition. Some might say up 28, some might say not. I'm going to just call it Saturday edition. Let's take a listen. Sandy, how are you? I hope you are um, ready for the first U.S. Uh, adopted in the studio. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Ken. It's good to see you. It's definitely a different vibe being here Saturday afternoon as opposed to 7 o'clock in the morning um, on Fridays that I normally um, make sure I don't miss spaces. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited about this launch. Congratulations, Songs of Eden. I can't wait to hear what's happening. And hello again to Terra Spaces and to the Joe. Do you guys know what's going on with this whole Joe thing? Anyway, that's a whole different thing. I don't want to distract from what we're doing. And and welcome to my new wonderful artist, Omniflex uh, Minter um, R.I.L. She's got a beautiful collection too and um, I'm so glad that uh, we're getting together and uh, yeah, I want to be a part of this Saturday space and music is important. I've got music uh, friends who have not done NFTs and uh, are going to be very interested. So thank you for recording this space. Absolutely and I I am so happy to see that uh, R.I.L. is here because she um, she it's, she she's on the other side of the world now so uh i guess it works that way uh opposite this time um but she wasn't sure that she was going to be able to make it so i'm very happy to see you how are you i'm i woke up 10 minutes ago just and quickly checked my watch and i thought oh my goodness i've made it but i'm not sure if i'll last the distance i'm dying to go back to sleep <laughs> oh well you know what we'll do we'll make sure that we get you in here first oh that's so, okay um, <laughs> We'll, we'll get you, we'll get you back into sleep mode. Um, but very nice to see you and speak to you. Um, and your collection uh, launched yesterday as well. And how has the experience been so so far for you? Um, it's it's been nice to try new things, and I like the challenge of you know looking at the platform and minting in a completely different way and. Um, using different currency, um, and I guess it's a whole new community. So, of course, it's early days, but um, being on the space yesterday showed me what a lovely um, bunch of people you all are. So I'm just looking forward to seeing, yeah, where this takes me. Can you tell us more about your collection? Thank you. Um, so I started with uh, – bipolar blooms. I've always been attracted to flowers in NFTs that I've bought and I have used them um, a bit with some of my work previously, not all. And
And because I do struggle with mental health issues and I know so many, you know, artists um, do struggle with it as well, I wanted to begin by highlighting the importance of, yeah, that, you know, as artists we, yeah, we might have these struggles. Um, So um, the one that you're showing there is another collection I just added. It's a smaller one and that one's called, that that you've pinned is um, called Spring Goddesses. So the first one has got a bit more of a melancholy vibe to the portraits. So I love doing, I've always loved doing faces and portraits. Um, so the bipolar blooms are again with flowers, but they have a more slightly um, not darker, but yeah, more sadder vibe. Um, and then I also am very passionate about color, so I needed to offset that with this new little collection, Spring Goddesses, which is more rich with color because that's how I see flowers, is just beautiful and colorful. So I, um, yeah, I just wanted to do like both styles of portraits. Well, we really appreciate you, um, you know, highlighting the importance of mental health. I, I have uh, a couple of friends uh, that uh, also suffer severely from mental health issues, and they, um, they, they go through quite a bit. And I've, uh, growing up, you know, seen the effect that it's had on them and their lives, and the way that they express themselves also is through art. Um, and it's, it's really uh, something to see where people can channel, you know, emotions. Uh, all kinds of emotions into, you know, beautiful works of art, which I think, you know, art is a way of, uh, a really great way of expressing yourself when you can't do so in words at times. Uh, And it's, it definitely, I think, shines through for some people in that way. Definitely. um, It's very, it's a beautiful creative therapy. Um, So last year, beginning of last year, my daughter, um, ended up in a mental health facility because she had she was diagnosed with bipolar then but she was misdiagnosed the year before and given the wrong medication and so it really um set her in a, a downward spiral like she became really severely depressed and yeah it wasn't a very good time and so while she was in hospital they um, introduced painting and they had a lovely little creative room where they, you know, drew and paint. And that's when she discovered that she um, enjoyed art and, yeah, they were using that as therapy as well. I'm very sorry to hear that. I, um, I, is she doing better today now with, with the, with, with, you know, having the opportunity to express herself? Yeah, she's improved a lot. She was living away from home at the time to be close to um, her college. And so I wasn't able to, like, see the signs, if you know what I mean. Um, she was quite busy. So um, it she didn't even tell us that she was there. Um, I had to find out. I think she was 
unfortunately, there was a stigma that she was ashamed to tell us that she was in a in this particular mental health facility because it did have a bit of a a, a reputation of being one of the more um, notorious ones. Um, but I hunted her down, and I was there, and I was visiting her for you know the the weeks that she was there, and actually where she was was quite nice. Um, and yeah, they looked after her well. And, um, so yeah, she's now living at home and she has improved a lot. She's on the right medication and yeah, I've set up an art room so, um, she can paint and yeah. And, and, um, yeah, it's, it's improved a lot. (laughs) Thank you. No, of course. Uh, how old is she? She's actually twenty-one. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's um, that's incredible. I'm very happy to hear that she's doing better, and uh, it's um, I'm sure it makes you feel good as well that she's you know uh, able to channel her uh, you know emotions in a positive way that you know, is having an effect on her that's you know that's significant, and I, I'm very happy to hear that. Thank you. Is that something that you kind of uh, were able to channel yourself um, in a way through this collection? Is this kind of like an homage to her? Yeah. um, I've always, because I struggle with my own issues, not quite exactly the same as hers. I have a blend of different things. And I always found that when, well, actually when I get too depressed, I can't seem to do anything, not even art, but... Um, but yeah, um, definitely I dedicated the bipolar blooms to her. Um, but also it is my own therapy. I love, it really does help me doing art as well. So, um, I just think it's a beautiful, constructive way to release negative emotions, you know, um, it's because sometimes when you do struggle, you can get self-destructive. So I find that creativity is a great way to um, get your feelings out and dis- and also distraction because you're not, you know, focused on how you're feeling or thinking at the time and you're just creating beauty. Um, or even sometimes you can do sad art or dark art and that's still a constructive way of expressing what's inside. That's that's uh, honestly that that hits home for me because um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I a friend of mine who also suffers from or suffered from bipolar disorder um, passed away. He overdosed on on drugs, and I know. You know, he 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 always uh, told me that the the you know the drugs were a way of kind of you know masking the bipolar uh, you know the the impact of bipolar disorder on him, and you know it's something that a lot of people with mental health issues fall into as a way of numbing the effects of whatever it is that they're going through emotionally. And uh, I'm very happy to see that your um, you know, that your daughter was able to channel it in a positive way as opposed to a negative way and that's this definitely shows her mental uh toughness 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I do feel so sorry for anyone that struggles with inner inner pain because, yeah, I I used to, when I was her age, I overdosed and um, then she did exactly the same last year. So it's hard too when you're younger and you don't know how to deal with the pain. Um, As I've grown older and learnt, you know, I've got – I've learned to manage and, um, yeah, I just know how to get through it and in a more, yeah, um, non-destructive way and have more understanding. Counselling helps, support helps, you know, supportive people. And, um, yeah, she's a lot more stronger and positive and music is the other way that I used to like you know, expressing myself. I used to write a lot of sad songs though, but um, it's, yeah, it's amazing in with music what mood you happen to be in at the time of writing, how it affects, you know, what you sing and your style. And my daughter's exactly the same. She's written quite a few songs. So creativity is awesome. Well, we'd love to have her launch those uh, songs as NFTs on Omniflix. We'd be uh, more than happy to support her in any way we can. Um, I think that would be amazing. And having the mother-daughter tandem on the uh, you know, on the marketplace for everybody to be able to support, I think would be amazing. Thank you so much. Does anybody have any questions for uh, for how should which, how should I refer to you, real or or RIL? Real. 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 Um, R-I-L is my initials, you know, for my full name, but real is just easier. Perfect. Uh, I just want to, I want to make sure I call you the right name. Um, but yeah, does any, uh, Sandy, please. First of all, thank you so much for sharing and speaking on such an important issue. Mental health is very important to everyone and, uh, and to speak about it in such a positive way and to present it in such a beautiful manner. Um, I do have a question for you about how you pick the names. And by the way, I'm happy your daughter's doing well. I picked up a couple of your pieces and I'm just curious about the naming of these. They're gorgeous. Zahra and Zainab um, are the two pieces I collected. Um, just curious about how you went around. Uh, do those names have meaning to you? Um, they're actually got some floral meanings to them. So if you look up the names, there'll be, a, there is a floral or flower aspect, um, to the names. Um, Zahara is an African name. So that piece is the only African looking portrait there. Um, so yeah, I, I, pick names that weren't too obvious flowers that there are a couple names like iris but um all the names will have some reference to flowers but i want to make it more exotic sounding (laughs) and you know what it is uh zainab so yeah and uh they use you know flower names are used for girl names a lot and so i actually and i wondered if you did that on purpose because i love gola zainab i love that zainab flower and what you did there with the naming is um very clever and it's beautiful artwork thank you so much for sharing all this with us thank you oh thank you for being my first collector then i didn't didn't know that. 
and question for you. Um, so how did you, how did you uh, start out in your journey of art? So where, where did that start for you? Um, as a child, I always used to just like sitting there drawing. And I mainly drawed, um, again, more like little princesses or faces. Um, always like pretty things, you know. Um, so I liked drawing. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to do art at school. My parents sort of thought it wasn't a very handy subject. And so I was not able to do art. Um, later on, when I got married, I did more arts and crafts. So I did more other crafts like um, quilting, jewelry making. I just tried my hand at everything. Um, it wasn't until a, a couple of three years ago that I decided I wanted to learn how to paint. And so I did acrylic painting and I really enjoyed that because the other thing is having kids and I had four kids, um, I didn't have much time to do a lot of art either. So I started painting and I really enjoyed that until my um, my son said, Mom, why don't you turn your paintings into NFTs? <laughs> and, of course, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. <laughs> but being a curious person that loves a challenge, I, I um, looked into it and then I quickly had to learn how to do digital art, which I'd never done before. So I started that. Unfortunately, I abandoned my painting um, in, for, and, you know, for an iPad instead <laughs> um, because that's so much handy. I can, you know, sit in there, draw in bed, and I had to learn how to use that. So, yeah, so um, basically beginning of last year is when I started um, – doing all this art and I think it was already in me all these years and it was just a great uh, tool to really express, yeah, myself because digital art allows you so much more um, options. Uh, painting, acrylic takes a lot longer. <laughs> but I do miss acrylic painting and I am planning to get back into it. No, the pieces look incredible. Um, what, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what what program did you use to, to design them? They're, they're just like they're so like lifelike almost. I mainly have Procreate, but I use a couple of different cheap little programs and a little bit of collage type work. Like I might, you know, layer, you know, like some flowers and add to it. I like doing the faces, and then I sort of try to make it look all blended. Yeah, the faces are truly, like, stunning. They they just, like, you can, like, feel the emotion coming from them. Yeah, faces is my specialty. <laughs> they they so, look incredible. Um, thank you. I mean, some of them are, like, you know, almost, like, horrifyingly sad but in a in a beautiful way if that makes sense yes um yeah so i was referring to both yeah collections have 
two different styles. Now, I because I have ADHD, um, my mind, I can never stick to one particular style. I, I just, for the life of me, I can't because I'd get bored too easily. So <laughs> I'm always experimenting. Can I say something about that? You know, a lot of people are like, well, you should only do one style, one style. You know what? This is what I think. I think those kind of collectors who can only stick with just one style, they're the ones with the mental illness who can't handle variety. They don't have the capacity to handle more than one style. So whoever the heck made that up, shut up. Because <laughs> I love all your different moods and styles. Okay? And uh, I just uh, put uh, one of your... Um, creations on secondary for 500 atoms so people know how much i love that and you know what thank you very much yeah i'm going to go through your collection you do have the ability to capture the mood so but anyway back to the host thank you oh no i'm not the host i'm the, i'm more so the mediator or moderator i should say not mediator moderator uh you guys are the um you guys are the the stars of this so we appreciate uh, your work and your um, your sharing about your project with us. We really, um, and I'm so happy to hear that your daughter is uh, is doing better. Okay, we need some mood lifting music. This is a music room, <laughs> after all. Please, that was a beautiful soon. segue, Sandy. See, that's we, why. That's, that's we why we I'm need not, we need beautiful it. music. That was a beautiful segue. <laughs> um, Songs of Eden from Stockholm, Sweden. How are you, sir? Yeah, hi, 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 everybody. Just Welcome uh, back. thank you so much. Just enjoying listening to to <clears throat> to this, and it just came to mind that just one of the beauties with Web three is just that you get the time to just like uh, RIL just did tell about like a more a longer, more deeper story, which is kind of not the case on the other like Instagram and TikTok and whatnot. So that is just beautiful to in a relaxing way. Absolutely, yeah, or, or calm way, just to be able to get your message through. So that's yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you, man. And um, so, tell us about your um, about your career and your uh, background. How we got to this point of uh, the Omni Owls coming to be? Yeah, that actually uh, started like just a fun experiment where I just wanted to try to to like paint a pfp or an nft with with the piano well, no, no, sort no, no, of no. I'm asking okay. a much more deeper I'm, I'm asking a much deeper question where did songs of eden uh, because we you know this is the first um you know, people in the us might not have uh had a chance to learn about the omni owls or you yet um so let's give them the the full bio from you know day one of the uh where songs of eden was birthed yeah, the the whole pro brand, so to say, was uh, I started it just a bit before the pandemic. It was almost I was like a touring musician and a record producer before then, and I just got a feeling that I wanted to to just express myself and my own music, so to say. And uh, then I started to to just release stuff on Spotify and YouTube and so forth, and. Uh, and then the pan pandemic hit and all kind of the work disappeared for me. So I just went all in on that and just, uh, yeah, build the, the brand from there, so to say. And, 
And uh, yeah, I guess curiosity and so forth led me into Web3, and here I am, and uh, now I'm with the Omniflex family, so that's pretty cool, cool. where you, you never know where your road is taking you, just follow the flow, kind of. Now, um, this is your second or third, uh, this is your third collection, uh, for, you had two on OpenSea, and then now this one? I had a few actually that was mainly based around music. I did one with um, a UK or Chinese artist named Fifi Wrong, a little remix project. That was my first collection, just a few remixes of one of her songs. And it sold out, out quite uh, fast because she's kind of a no name in at, at least the music NFT space, so to say. And then I did a few piano songs and some other things. And but the real success I've seen is uh, is this idea with with paint, uh, pa- <laughs> painting the PFPs with uh, using the piano as a brush. That's what I like to to phrase it. So it was kind of a a little experiment that just turned out pretty pretty good, and it resonated with a lot of people. I'm sure. Main. I, I how did you uh, figure out that you could do this? It started uh, with a friend of mine that uh, were painting a Christmas tree tree during the holidays, and I thought uh, I want to give it a shot myself. And it's pretty tricky, to be honest. It takes like a few days to nail those because you. W- what I do is basically you press the keys on the keyboard, and that uh, correspond with the pixel on the the screen. And so what you need to do is press the right keys at the exact right moment and hold some and release some. And if you do it at the right time, you create a PFP. So it's kind of a bit of a a process. But (laughs) after a few 20, 30 plus hours, you finally nail it. And then there is the the eureka moment. (laughs) (laughs) Now... You've, uh, I remember you had one of a uh, pirates, and then you had. Um, so, how did you go from like, like uh, what, was, what was the first thing you ever drew? I guess I should ask you. Was it a, a Christmas tree, or or uh, was it um, something just like completely random? I started out with to try uh, draw some uh, more words and just nail the letters, and. Uh, the better I became, I started started to form uh, like a little uh, version of the the punks, the crypto punks. So I call them the MIDI punks. The, the system I use is called MIDI. Basically, it's uh, the way the keyboard is connected to the music software, if you say so. So right. I I call them. So the first I've I wanted to make it quite small, so I made five. Uh, three different ones, uh, five editions each, and those sold out pretty quickly. And that was kind of my my base uh, holders, so to say, which I call like the OG holders. So that was the the three first one, and then I created the the pirate one, or it's called a skull. So it's basically a skeleton with a pirate hat. <laughs> Well, the, the, another utility for uh, for your collection, which uh, I believe we forgot to mention yesterday, everybody that uh, buys your NFT is uh, also whitelisted for Kurt Schilling's uh, NFT, uh, which will be launched in about, uh, well, I'm not going to put a date on it, but it'll be sometime in the next uh, couple months here. 
uh, probably January. Um, but that'll get you a whitelist onto that uh, onto, onto that release as well. And you know when you go ahead and um, and like look at your career, um, how does you know? I know you did a lot. You do a lot with yoga, and your music is is driven by yoga a lot. Um, you know, how do how do the how do you like kind of like marry the two? Like, is there a difference in that world versus this world of you know creating the digital uh, or visual art? Whereas you know when you're playing the piano and you're making music for yoga and such, is there like a difference in your mentality for how you do it? Or are you like much more, um, I guess, in the zone when you're focusing on trying to make something, or is it just like more free free flowing? I, th- I think uh, from a creative perspective, it's kind of the same. I just try to do something that resonates with me in a way. And uh, since I'm into yoga and uh, meditation and those kinds of things, I try to keep everything uh, uh, like in a mindful sense, if that makes sense. So where, whether it's music, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't make any like heavy metal or uh, hardcore rap music. <laughs> <laughs> But it's more of a in in the calmer kind of way. So, yeah, I try to just do something that resonates with me. And people like to call it like brand building or, or whatever. But I think if it comes from your heart, it kind of is on brand anyway. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, if so, for you know, it's like the best advice that you can give them in terms of how to get started in Web three. Um, you know, people that might not know really how to get that process started or just do they release a song and just hope it goes well, you know, what's like, uh, your best advice for them? I think my best advice is to not see it as, uh, something you make, make a profit of, at least not at this stage. I kind of see it, uh, just the way to, to build like a small what we call a community. I like to call it more of a family because as you prism here and I see a lot of friends, I I like to think of people as friends. So I'm trying to have like a small small family and uh, just make connections and uh, <clears throat> and hopefully that <clears throat> it will benefit everybody in the long term because since I am qu- quite a big name in what we call the Web 2, so the people who believe in me in, in this early stages of Web 3 will hopefully benefit from from that in a year or, or two but i think to just think long term and do something that you love and if you have a brand in uh, what we call the web 2 i think it's more more uh, my approach is to see this as an extension not like two separate things like web 2 web 3 web 1 and web this web that it's just it just because uh, a normal consumer or music lover or whatever it is doesn't think like okay now i'm listening on Spotify in Web two now I'm on buying an NFT on Web three. It's just like uh, uh, your behavior, your daily routines. You do things you like and love, and so forth. And yeah, maybe I drifted away in here, but a little bit. But I hope it makes sense. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just want to open it up to the floor. Does anybody have any questions for uh, Songs of Eden about this collection? I want to congratulate you. I minted two of them right now. I think I'm one of the first mentors to do this. I'm going to make a tweet about it. 
because we don't really have anything up in the nest. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit of a bookkeeper right now and try to promote this. And if there's only 50, if people find out who you were, they'd be like minting that like right now. So congratulations. Thank you for coming to OmniFlix. Music is so important. And uh, yes, it isn't about the money. It's about the creation process and our sharing our art. And then when that happens and the value we create, that that all happens naturally. Uh, and I'm not one of those you know people who's like, oh my God, I got to flip this. No. And if I do list your work, it's because I want to show that I love it and I see the value in it. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to make these tweets and put them up in the nest so people can find the links easier. Yeah. I think, uh, what's that? Probably like, uh, 20 or so owls that have departed from the nest in the last 24 hours. And thank you again, Sandy, for sharing, uh, your, uh, your insights as well. Um, but the owls are rather beautiful. I'm going to actually play one um, on here so that you guys can hear what a owl sounds like in just a moment. But uh, does anybody else have any questions for uh, Songs of Eden? I, I, I just uh, put something up in the Jumbotron too. I, didn't, I should have posted about this earlier, but I found a tweet from yesterday's space. So I put that up too, where you can actually see the, the process of... Um, of the creation, so to say, which is also the NFT. I can mention that, that I actually record with the video when I, I do the performance, so to say, to create the owl. So the NFT is actually a video too. So, well, yeah, the, the, um, and you also get, when you buy the NFT, you also get the audio file, right? As well. You, so you own the actual, um, the, the riff on the piano. Definitely, feel free to to use or abuse it in any way you want. <laughs> and so if you, you hear if you hear that piano in the forest, forest, it's not a real owl. I just want to point that out. Um, <laughs> bad joke, bad joke. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was a good dad joke, definitely a good dad joke. So now, uh, while we have you, though, would you like to um, share anything else about uh, your your upcoming tour dates or any anything else that you're doing in your um, you know, in your in real life career? Uh, if I, w it would be really cool to do a little giveaway if it's okay. I just actually oh, released my first uh, Web three only album, which is an NFT that it's connected to an exclusive album that isn't available on Spotify. I had some really pissed off uh, people the last month who was super angry that it wasn't on, on uh, Spotify and so forth. But I thought, uh, why not do something for the community? So uh, if I can do a little giveaway, that would be fun, of course. Of course. So it's going to work like this. I'm going to count down from three and everybody just flash your hearts and I'll do a screenshot and all hearts that are captured, I'll send you a copy of the NFT holding the, the new Web3 album. So here we go. Three, two, one. And done. Thank you, guys. I'm going to DM all. I'll check the hearts later and DM you and just get your wallet. So I screwed up. I did the 100% sign. Does that mean <laughs> I don't get one? Oh, I'm always dyslexic in these things. You, you'll get 100 NFTs instead. That was a secret. <laughs> uh, That's beautiful, man. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'm going to play for uh, everybody one of your uh, NFTs uh, so that they can hear what they're getting. And it's kind of like a very, it's like a, almost like, 
a drum roll, but not a drum roll. It's like a da 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 bump, and it's like it's beautiful. It's like so short and sweet, but it's perfect the way that you um you can have it like be like a punchline for a joke or something. A lot of them, the way that the 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 melody is. Yeah, that's kind of the hard part with creating them because you can't really memorize the melody because it's not really melody melody, right? You just press your ten fingers in all kinds of places and. So yeah. <laughs> well, when you have a straight line, it kind of uh, when you have a straight line in there, it's kind of or uh, I'm sorry, a curved line. It's it's just like a that's when you're moving on the keyboard, right? Yeah, and the straight line is more of the elbow the whole, on all of the whole keyboard. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so when you is this something that you're able to visualize before you play it or as you play it, or how does that work for you? Yeah, I do it kind of part by part. So I start with the first, uh, I try to divide them into three and then kind of learn it as a, some kind of composition or melody, <clears throat> even though it's quite imp- uh, impossible, but I can't, it drives me nuts to like do it from A to Z, so to say. So I, like if you see on the owl, I do the ear up until the eye perhaps, and then the, I don't know if you call it the nose, but <laughs> yeah, the owl's nose. Oh uh, yeah, the, the little beak. Yeah, and I do it in three parts, and then I try to play all three together. So when I I have learned the three parts, then it's uh, kind of ninety percent there. Then it's just to try to combine them. <laughs> that's uh, that's really creative, man. Uh, I, and you're the and you're the first to do this. Essentially, creating a profile picture with your keyboard and turning sound into uh aesthetics which is a uh a very innovative uh feat by you there so kudos for that yeah yeah thanks brother thank you yeah i think i'm the first one actually i had a few people some of the holders reaching out to me say i'm gonna try to do it myself and then a few hours later i got a dm saying hey i'm giving up man this is like (laughs) drives you insane Yeah, I'm, and it it actually does. But I think one of the good things that makes it easier for me is that I come from like the yoga meditation. So after a while, you almost come into like a this yeah, hypnotic kind of state of mind, just repeating the same pattern for a few hours. So yeah, I think when you um, when you actually like sit down and try to do it, because I've tried to do it myself. I I play the piano as well, and um, I played it for probably half my life uh and i cannot for the life of me wrap my head around doing that because i can't think about what the keys are you know what what i'm touching on the piano versus what is coming out in terms of a design let alone you know put something together that to me sounds good enough to show to people i gotta like it's, it's it's hard enough to put one thing together but you're putting two different kinds of like uh the left side and your right side of your brain are like working hand in hand when you do that yeah you have to like not think about really listening too much that drives you insane after a while but uh, yeah i'm gonna be honest and say that the first few hours might might be like um you come into this meditative state of mind but then the cursing starts to appear and the kids passing by rolling their eyes looking at you like what the heck are you doing man you're just sitting and playing these weird notes over and over again so but yeah (laughs) 
like where you you get really stubborn after a while and you just, you just want to nail it. But the latest ones I've been doing like for an hour a day and for two weeks instead of just sitting like 10 hours. It's just to like practice a little bit on the owl on the morning and then you next day you just continue. So otherwise you will like, I don't know where I would end up to be honest. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and play this for uh, everybody so they can hear what we're talking about here instead of keeping them in the dark. So just one moment, and we will hear what the Omni Owl um, sounds like on the keyboard. All right, we're having some audio issues, so give me just one moment, and um, and we'll get right to the uh, right back to the playing of that. Sorry about that, man. Um, or if you have it open on your computer and you want to uh, help me out with that, that would be even more incredible, because <laughs> I. Don't believe that my speakers are working. Yeah, one second. I have it here. I don't have any good audio, but maybe you will be able to hear it anyway. One second. A bit of a weird uh, piece of music, but oh my god, I just got two female owls knocking on my window here, so it's, <laughs> it did something. Uh, that's <laughs> See, now that was a good joke. I like that composition. It's very um, abstract, but there's like a rhythm to it still, the abstractness, and um, and, and then at the end, the way do, 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 do. So Ken, this must be really an amazing experience for you because I know you're our host, but you're also an incredible musician. You are classically trained too. What what, is, what do you think of the composition of like? And I, let me let me ask you this thing. Ask you this question: Do you think that you could do the reverse? Are there compositions that create certain images? Have you looked at that, anybody? That's actually a very interesting question. Um, Songs of being, I don't know what you think. Um, like for me, I could, I think I would have an easier time putting a, um, you know, if you give me like AI, I can give you like a, a nice visual of some of like a song, like or what a song would like. It's almost like a music video, at least that's the way my brain works. If I'm listening to music and I like have my eyes closed, I'll see like a music video in my in my head, and that's kind of like I guess maybe I just, I'm like a visual thinker if that. I guess that would make it make sense in that sense if I think about it. Um, but how how does that work for you? Like, are you more of a like? Would that be easier for you, or would this be the way that you do it now? Is that like uh, something that's simpler for you? Uh, sorry, I didn't really get the question. Sorry. So, is there? She's asking, is there like a reverse of what you do? So, like, is if there if you listen to a song, can you put a picture to it? Yeah, definitely. I think that's the beauty with music in general. Like. It's almost almost like heaven, heavenly to most people. Like you, 
you you listen to something when you're sad and you get picture pictures in your head and you listen to something while you drive and music i mean you rarely hear anybody talking about music without uh, something else if that makes sense so i think uh, yeah totally i think you get all kinds of memories or pictures to all kinds of music i, I would agree i mean, that's that's actually a interesting collaboration maybe that you could do with uh with somebody you know you have like a piece of music that you put uh that you have and then maybe create have the person create you know um a visual piece of art for that and and i think that i think you could do something really cool with that yeah definitely i think and i think that's uh, the best uh, way to move forward in this space to just uh, team up with other artists and musicians and collab so uh, definitely i think that's that's a great idea because we're, we're also passionate passionate in this space so more of that if you ask me absolutely i, I always love to see um you know, artists collaborate you know it's seeing somebody from you know a country in europe and then somebody in a country in asia or someone in a country in uh uh, in North America and uh, somebody all the way, you know, on the opposite side of the world in the Middle East, working together to create, uh, you know, a work of art, and they've never met in person, but they, with technology, are able to collaborate together and um, and put, you know, incredible works of art together uh, with their with their two talents combined, and, and you get like really amazing results out of it. Yeah, and that's another beauty with Web three that I really. You, you you like remove a lot of filters like gender, race, and uh, where you're from, and so forth, and, uh, and let the art speaks for itself. And I really love that that you see people from Nigeria and Asia and all kinds of places that are like not competing but uh, working on the same uh, terms. And uh, I really love that. Like you just you're you're you you're here with your little PFP just showing your art and let the art do this do the speaking absolutely um that's i a hundred percent agree with you that's that's one of the most beautiful things that i've um once i've gotten like really in, into the web three uh tranches i guess if you want to call them but i have never seen a place where you know people are able to come and express themselves and not feel judged by other people and you know there's 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 just a lot of love in the community and i think that's a beautiful thing to see congratulations to omniflix congratulations to songs of eden for making a historical epic creation this will go down in uh, musical history this will go down in art history and um and and you know these things are really incredible and for for you to even think about such a thing um is the genius in itself so it is such an honor to speak with you and you know what i'm an older person i had the first mac i had a electric typewriter i wish i had a storage facility where i just like kept all that shit because now i would be a multi-millionaire for all these things that so now i just want to buy nfts if i can like this like you know what's five osmo right i want to buy two when I can see great values like this, historical, incredible things, you know, I'm like, okay, now nah, I'm not going to be stupid this time. I'm going to buy two and I'm going to keep one and maybe sell one later. So as a 55 year old who 
just wish I had saved all my, like, like my little cassette tape. Oh my God. I was skateboarding with my little cassette tape, listening to my music in the seventies. <laughs> so that would be something I could sell uh, now. So this is incredible. And I'm so glad that um, I'm part of this and I'm here to see Omniflix create this history with us. Thanks guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, Sandy, and thank you so much Songs of Eden, for joining us and for, uh, bringing your talents over to our community. Um, and we're very, very uh, lucky to have you and very happy to have you uh, as part of the community. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I just wanted to, yeah, just add something that I just love the unique concept. And this is what I like about NFTs that, you know, um, you can do things like that and, add music and I actually the owl is my favorite bird so I was really happy that you chose the the owl to to use so um and yeah my older son he's a pianist and loves music so I have an appreciation of piano and owls so well done on the great combination yeah thank you so much and I really appreciate listening to you earlier too and i think that's the good thing that we get the time here imagining you talking about uh, the mental health thing and me talking about owls on instagram it would be impossible like people give you two seconds and then it's uh, hello and goodbye so it's yeah it's really this is the place to be for those kinds of things that we are working on on i would say i want to add something i should finish my bite first but before you say something <laughs> Being disconnected. Folks, get on the Discord channel with Omniflex. I don't know if Twitter's going to be here tomorrow or not. Censorship weirdness is happening. But please get on the uh, Discord and make sure you connect with us on the Omniflex uh, Discord channel as well. Thank you. I think Elon Musk just spent like $44 billion on it. So I, I would hope it's not for his, for his sake. I hope it's not going anywhere. <laughs> And he got to two, and he got two billion people to sign up for that uh, blue check mark. So hopefully, <laughs> make some money out of that too. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, definitely join the Omniflix Discord, though. That I would agree. Um, there is lots of um, exciting things that are going on in there, but uh, for sure. And New York Culture Club uh, joins us from where else? New York. Uh, so we got, we've gone today from, uh, and real, where are you from? If you don't mind me asking. I'm from Australia. I thought so. I don't want to get, I didn't want to be presumptuous and guess, but that's, um, so we've gone all <laughs> around the world today uh, yep. from Australia to Sweden. Uh, and then now back to New York and go ahead. Bipolar Blooms. You were about to say, I'm sorry, real, you were about to say something. Uh, I was just going to say, I don't have a complete Aussie accent because my parents are U European. Uh, I see. Well, and the, the timing kind of threw me uh, or kind of threw me uh, uh, a, a clue as well, because I know that uh, Australia is like 12 and a half hours ahead of me. Um, so that's based on like the uh, the timing. I kind of put two and two together there. But um, I, I do very much. Uh, enjoy the Australian uh, accent. It, it, I, I enjoy it very much. I don't. Mine's not very strong. I can actually do one, 
when you know if I you know like mimic one but um, because my parents are European I've sort of picked up on a little bit of you know how they speak so um yeah <laughs> speak Aussie come on give us the lowdown give us the super Aussie tongue nah, give us, give nah. us the Barbie maybe <laughs> Oh, but did you say here. Barbie? We do not say number one. We don't say shrimps on the Barbie because we call them prawns. See, see what I did there, Sandy? I tricked her into doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but thank Oops. you so much. Sorry, that was supposed to be thumbs up. I got dyslexic again. Oh my god, <laughs> it's the worst. Thank you so much for uh, for, sh- for uh, sharing your collection with us, uh, Real and Songs of Eden, um, and Sandy as well. And uh, we got now back to New York. So we've been just about every corner of the globe today so far. And then shortly thereafter, we'll be done uh little Alabama. But uh, in, the, in the near term, we're in New York. How are you, sir? Brian Urichek from New York Culture Club. Good evening. How you guys doing? I've been really enjoying listening to everybody sharing their art. This is beautiful. Thank you very much. Um, and we are very excited to speak to you. Um, so we've got some very unique and innovative and forward thinking and creative people today. So we've gone from um, you know, the passionate um, you know, mental health project of uh, you know, expressing your emotions on, you know, and with with a with a paintbrush or with a digital artbrush, we've gone from that to a musical NFT that now you can have a visual for and see. And now we're going to a T-shirt that you can essentially track and earn money off of when you're in the street, and you can have it as a physical piece of art as well so what you're doing with new york culture uh, culture club specifically with the nfc chips and the shirts is um i think a first of its kind is it not yeah i mean there's a few other brands who are doing it at this point and um it's not a completely novel idea of embedding microelectronics in apparel so uh to be fair this has been done uh for decades it wasn't uh, very successful and there was no blockchain you know 10 well, 15 it, years ago when they were trying to do it but right. uh yeah so how can you tell us how it works and tell us about um you know, what what is near culture club sure yeah and we certainly have our own unique take on it and i'll uh get into that but um new york culture club is a lifestyle uh and apparel brand and we're born into Web3, right? So I started this business um, to be aligned with the values and principles um, of celebrating ownership uh, of artistry. And so most importantly, our brand works in partnership and co-creation with artists, and we don't necessarily appropriate their intellectual property and, and use it out from under them. Right. So where we think um, we've been broken for some time is in that kind of employer employee relationship or even worse with artists. I'll just buy your art and, you know, I'll use that and push you to the side. 
right? And that's why we have that phrase, starving artist. So we're here to do better with the new tools that we have, right? And help account for that ownership and all get better together by creating a more equitable distribution of resources um, while we can embody um, our principles and values in the vessel of fashion and apparel in this case. Very interesting. And what would you say is the, um, the goal that you have with uh, New York Culture Club? Like, is there um, or a mission for it? Um, well, we want to show, again, that we can um, create more equitable distribution of monies for the work that is put in or the creation um, and efforts that are put forth, right? So, um, again, with the employer-employee relationship, we feel like you're kind of giving your bottle to somebody and they're drinking all of it and handing a sip back to you. And a lot of us live in this kind of constant state of, you know, paralyzation to resource dilemma or in other words trying to keep the you know netflix on and the rent paid and the medical bills paid and um, we kind of settle for this like well i guess this is like good enough um, and we want to empower beyond that we want to show people that they could have a um, be safe in a higher purpose than that that they don't have to live kind of in this this state of either physical or mental suffering um, so it's to create opportunities for others and to show them um, that they can feel safe to go after their purpose or their why in life. That's great, man. Um, how does, so how does the, um, the high school shirt that you created, the, that, was that just a design that you, know, you thought was cool and then you, you, you turned it into a shirt or is there more to it than that? No, there's definitely more to it. So um, the high school sweatshirt was something I designed, and it harkens back to Belushi in Animal House, where he wore the college sweatshirt uh, or college sweater. So what it's really doing is making kind of this anti-anti, in a way, like flippant statement and saying college, you know, high school, YouTube, whatever get your education and seize it. You know, you're going to have to go out there and take it for yourself. You're the asset, right? And again, it's back to like empowering individuals um, and making people feel safe and not afraid um, to go after what they really want. Um, and I feel like we allow politics and fear to drive um, a lot of decision-making and that's what's gotten us to a place that isn't very sustainable. Um, we need to pay more attention to truth, science, data, and facts. And um, what we hope to do over time through fashion and apparel is also drive monies towards different charitable causes and be able to associate our brand with artists um, who believe in um, higher causes and want to direct resources to those causes. So I can create a t-shirt that says, this t-shirt helped pay off your student loans. And I can now use a smart contract to direct a certain percentage of those uh, proceeds from that clothing line back to paying off federal Stafford loans. Right? And then I can create a social movement behind that. And if everybody buys that T-shirt, um, do the math. It's extraordinary. Right? That's, that's brilliant, man. Um, how, did, how did you come up with this? Um, well, 
since I was younger, uh, I, I'm traditionally a musician, actually. So all this talk earlier with Songs of Eden is just awesome. And I, I'm going to have to go get myself now. Um, but I'm a drummer. So um, I've always been an artist and had kind of a creative mind for these things. And when I was younger, I would make just kind of disruptive anti-anti streetwear and, you know, different types of t-shirts and screen print stuff and nothing, nothing actually commercial. Um, so I always had this kind of in me to, to do something like this, but, um, I, up until a few years ago, hadn't really thought of making it entirely my career or didn't feel it was possible. Um, so part of this was my journey in recognizing that, I could go into this and kind of embrace um, my creative spirit and, and marry it um, with a way to help, you know, get everyone better together. Um, Does that kind of go in, like uh, in the spirit of, um, you know, you, you seem very, um, very proactive in terms of pro uh, collaborating with other, with, other, with other artists and organizations. Is that something that kind of goes hand in hand with that? Yeah, I mean, it really most of the ideas shouldn't be coming just out of, you know, myself or some people at the top, right? We, again, want to work in partnership with others and the best artists out there and um, create a contract to govern that business and create a more trustless system here. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you're thinking about you know, what, um, where you want to see New York culture club in two, three years down the road, what do you, um, you know, wh where do you see it going in terms of, you know, the fidgetal aspect of it with, um, you know, having you know, potentially your physical shirts that actually will be able to be used in a digital game or things like that. Where do you see the technology kind of coming in from in real life to the web three place? Yeah, well, I see a lot of applications to virtual environments. So we are creating digital uh, apparel as well for um, uh, for use in virtual world. Um, so that that's certainly a, a part of the business. Um, but one area where I'm very curious to see um, play out here is uh, the physical side of things, right? So as you mentioned earlier, we embed microelectronics or neo field communications chipping uh, into our garments and we link them to decentralized blockchain to verify a number of things, whether that be the supply chain logistics. Um, we embed something we call the gar facts or the garment facts right, into that uh, token as well. So you have the care instructions, you have what that garment was made out of, uh, the weight of the fibers that were used, um, all different details associated with that particular physical garment or accessory. Um, you can control maintenance, right? So, uh, for instance, if you had an embedded chip in a purse, right, you could better understand uh, maintenance over time or that movement of that in re-commerce markets. Um, so I'm, I'm more curious to see um, how the consumer recognizes uh, the benefits of this and what people gravitate towards. Um, with the where to own model that we've talked about, uh, a month from now, we're going to be releasing something where you'll be able to hold out your sleeve when somebody comments on, you know, a particular garment or accessory you're wearing. Imagine holding out your sleeve, 
the person scans that, it launches to your personal point of sale system. And if that person buys something, we pay you a royalty. So one thing I found really interesting when we were talking about this, um, you know, on one of our calls, you said you were talking about how you know, the, the, this, the differences of uh, the quality of the chip and the different aspects of it where, you know, you might buy one that can't be, you know, put in the, in the dryer. You buy, might buy one that can't be washed by, um, you know, a, a washer and dryer. Or that might, you know, if if you don't get the right pieces. So, like, how how much like science is there in building what you're uh, building out, and how easy is it to go, you know, um, create something that's not gonna work in 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 the sense of you know having it in uh in in people's hands where they're trying to wash it or they're trying to wear it and they fall on it. You know, is how like what can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I would say there definitely is some intellectual rigor that needs to go behind um, sorting out the the right chips and what they're encased in, like you said, is is the more important part. Um, In many cases, uh, if you're going to put something in a garment that's going to go through laundry and dryer, and most people are probably not going to dry clean, even though... Uh, they say they will, or even if the care instruction says to do that, in, in my opinion, I, I would plan for the worst. Uh, and that's what we do. So we use microelectronics that are encased uh, in a, a certain epoxy uh, that can take a chemical rigor or being you know washed over and over in heavy detergents and uh, also put through a dryer at you know, high temperatures for three, four hours. I've spent the last three years actually wearing garments with microchips in them and washing them over and over and over. Um, Also, what's interesting to what you mentioned is the placement of the chip as well, right? Um, And better understanding how people want to be approached or how is the best way to, you know, position the chip on the garment to get a good experience, right? So I saw a brand do this on a woman's dress and they put it right behind the tag and the neckline. Well, give it a few minutes in a in a crowd of people trying to put their phone behind your neck. It's not the most comfortable situation. So that's why you got the one on the on your nail instead of the, instead of behind your neck. Well, there you go. Yeah, it, it, as Ken mentions, I have microchips on my nails, <laughs> but uh, that's easy to put your business card on on someone's phone really quickly. Um, but we put a lot of the the chips in the sleeve um, on the top. I've seen some people put it on the underside of the sleeve. That's a ve- that's a terrible place to put it. That's the most friction based point of the garment. Um, so in my uh, experience, you want to be able to extend it to people. And the reason why our symbol um, or logo overall has a QR code in it is not only for AR application, um, but I realized in extending my hand to people, they do something uh, pretty regularly is back up and turn their camera on and try to take a picture of your arm. That's not how it works. You have to approach it you know, within four centimeters. And in fact, you have to close the distance pretty much right on top of the chip right now. So what we did was we put a QR code there. So even accidentally, when someone makes a mistake, they'll hit anyway. Huh. That's very crafty. Um, Now, in terms of the technology side of it, 
um, when you're, if, let's say you buy the shirt, you know, and somebody says, hey, I love that shirt. Now they scan it and they buy it off of them. How does that, you know, how, how does that person then get their uh, referral fee, I guess? Yeah, so that's kind of the secret sauce. <laughs> but all this is is carried out by smart contract procedure. Um, so there's a royalty schematic um, and that personal point of sale system um, is basically a recognition back to the garment that you're wearing is stored in your cryptographic wallet, right? So the digital certificate of authenticity for the physical garment that you're wearing um, is being identified by that personal point of sale system and thereby it knows, you know, where to reward that particular transaction, right? If that makes sense. No, totally. Um, so it's basically, um, it's, it's, a, it's a way for somebody to have an incentive to go out and not only wear your shirt, but be able to pay for it themselves by showing it to their friends because now their friends will you know, be looking to buy your future collections. And now their, their initial shirt buy might end up being free for them. Correct. I mean, there's a million different applications, though. So we're going to be releasing lines of clothing that just go to our website. There will be lines of clothing that have a concert ticket on it, right? So we're, we're looking to collaborate with Live Nation um, next year on something where we will be issuing the ticket for the concert, right, on the shirt or calling back to the shirt, I should say. Um, so there's ways that you can apply this it, way beyond kind of that where to earn model. Um, we think that's a super cool way to create a networking effect. And we think it's much cooler that when you hold out your sleeve and somebody scans that and buys that they're celebrating the ownership all the way down the line. Right. So you're, you know, that that artist is getting paid. When you're wearing New York Culture Club, you know that that contract is the culture code. You know that that artist is being compensated and that that brand didn't just, you know, basically buy that artistry out from under that person and leave them high and dry. That would be so cool for um, for like nonprofits. Like I, when I was running my startup, we donated one percent of all of our sales to Relay for Life. Um, and they have like the Relay for Life events at all the colleges where everyone gets a t-shirt and you know, they have to raise money for, um, for cancer, for, you know, for going around the track and whatnot, but they're exactly. all you know, fundraising. That would be really cool to do um, something like that with like nonprofits. Yeah. I mean, there are so many ways that we're going to apply this. I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff since there's musicians in the room here right now. Um, we're bringing the first physical drum set onto chain and that it's going to be chipped. And imagine being able to track musical instruments, physical musical instruments all have serial numbers, they're categorized, they're tracked, they have a rich provenance if they've been played by certain people. Now you can say this instrument was played by Paul McCartney. And beyond that, you could say it was played on this night, this order of music, this particular way. There's, there's some crazy alpha for you guys. Imagine a band auctioning off a guitar solo that was done three minutes prior and then said, hey, if everyone buys this right now, we're going to donate 20% of the proceeds to the Haiti earthquake or whatever's going on in the world at that time. 
that's awesome, man. That's also that's- dynamic NFTs are going to be a game changer in that respect. So conditional, like uh, NFTs that update based on external data sitting off chain in oracles. So this is happening right now. The World Cup's about to come up, right? Well, I, I forget the individual who set this up, but a particular soccer player has it such that artwork and, and certain holders of his NFTs will receive things if he hits certain parameters of goals. And um, if he if he achieves certain milestones, art will reveal, reveal itself and people get certain perks and, and things by being associated with his brand. Like, I found this fascinating with like, the Queen of England, right? So the Queen wrote a letter back in 1986 that's not supposed to be open for 100 years, right? So we still have a number of years till this letter is supposed to be open. What if she had actually penned that letter, you know, or what if J.D. Salinger came out of, like, retirement to write a book and they said, but you don't get this book, society, you don't get this book until, I don't know, carbon emissions are reduced by X, Y, Z that's that's mind-blowing literally right so imagine taking people's behavior and funneling it in and almost tricking people into good so that's that's pretty much why i chose fashion and apparel to be the vessel for these principles and values that we think again should govern things a little more moving forward to make things more sustainable and um we we could see that people consume this country consumes at the rate of 70 percent of our economy is consumption so people love to buy things clothing is a utility you need it it's it's it gives you shelter and warmth beyond just its artistic appeal um it has functional utility for the human so if you can take an idea or a social movement and you can embody it in this thing um, and then you can make the financials on the back end, you know, go the way you want them to. And then somebody at the top, me in this particular case, has to hold the line on that and has to not sell. So when you said, what happens three years from now? I don't sell to Nike. I don't sell to Adidas because that's not really. <laughs> They don't, they don't agree with those principles and values. They haven't shown that they have. For decades, they've shown something different. And so what I really hope for the coming years is that people start to really align their behavior with some changes that we need to make. Um, wow, yeah, that's um, very profound. Well, I think all of this, we need to realize that this is us. And right now, um, we're all just kind of playing out use cases for this technology. And that's what's actually boiled up to the surface in pop culture and media is just kind of use cases for an underlying technology, right? NFTs aren't any more the thing than an MP3 is. Right. The MP3 isn't the thing. Songs of Eden's song is the thing. MP3 is just a digital coding format that moved something from actually a compressed something. That's that's what it does. It's a compression, audio compression format. Right. So it's like it's not the thing itself. That's and but we called songs and MP3s for a while. In fact, we we created things called MP3 players. That's true. 
<laughs> but then we got away from it, just like we'll get away from NFT, right? And when NFTs will be adopted is when Ticketmaster just that's actually the underpinnings of what they're using is, is blockchain. And that's when people will have a digital wallet because it will become so painful on a daily basis not to have one that you will just do it. So the person who told you that they're going to sit down and write letters and everyone else can do email, but they're going to still write letters. <laughs> that person eventually saw that someone could send 2000 emails in the time that it took them to pen a few letters. And then became so painful that it was, it just was the way that things were. That's, that's a beautiful analogy. That's, that's a, that could not be a more perfect analogy. And you know, the, there will still be those people that probably to this day out of spite will write the letters, but you know, the technology will eventually uh, either bend them at the knees or they will um, you know, adopt the, the better way. Yeah. And listen, I'm not here to force like the way I, I see things or the way that I live my life on anybody else. Like certainly not. I think everyone falls in a different spectrum of how they want to use these technologies or um, how they want to express themselves creatively. Oh, Actually, cool. that's yeah, that's like the most beautiful thing about this is that it, it, it's NFTs can be like a vehicle or a paintbrush but they're not going to move your hand right like we're all going to move ourselves the way that we want to um hopefully or, or that's what i hope for is that we can all feel safe to express ourselves like that um and then we can have ownership of it too right and that's where i think kind of if I think we're going to look back 20 or 30 years from now and we're going to laugh at this last this this 20 years or so that we gave away our entire digital selves to a couple companies for the pleasure of per, uh, you know posting some pictures around and sharing something that was ours. I mean a bunch of companies just for the past 25 years just kind of monetized us and we're realizing that and some of us don't even realize that we're realizing that. Um, but that's what's happening is we, we, we opted in and now we're opting out and everyone's on their own path of opt out. But some, some people started it quite some time ago and some people never opted in. That's very true. And I mean, if, um, you know, with the access that we have today to technology and, you know, social media and all of the, all these other, all these other things we're basically, uh, it's, it's just a 24 hour competition running 24 hour competition of how much attention, you know, companies can take from people and, you know, drag them away from one thing to another, to another. But eventually, you know, the, there's gotta be a, a time where people will, um, you know, latch onto something and do whatever it is that, and that makes them happy and focus their attention on that rather than, you know, letting, uh, external factors either bring them down into, uh, a state of, unhappiness or um a state where they just don't care anymore and they you know they have something that pushes them to to seek happiness and you know art is a beautiful mechanism for that yeah and that's been i mean we've been actually moving this way for quite some time and i think we just need to keep calm and and uh carry on in some ways um we've been moving from uh and this is part of like creator economies and what i was actually talking about on the space before this um but we've 
we're moving, you know, from making things, right? Machines are making things. We're moving towards knowledge and service-based economies, right? So even developing nations or emerging markets are 55% services now per GDP. So even developing nations who are making all that shit for us to use and throw out 10 minutes later, those are, are already uh, services are eclipsing that of manufacturing. So we, that's where creative econ economies are going, or creator economies, I'm sorry, are going, is we've been creating all this stuff and throwing it onto YouTube and you know, Facebook and Instagram, and there hasn't been ownership procedure for that. There's been a centralized few at the top who have been able to just you know, make money because centralized companies latched on to those few people who were at the top of the algorithm and they paid just them, right? We're saying now, no, you don't need to have those gatekeepers controlling that. You know, you can move and own your own assets. And that's what's important about a marketplace, right? And a facilitator like Omniflix, right? Is that you're a trusted partner in that, right? And that's why it's important that whoever is using you, right, and your services aligns with your values. And that's why I was attracted to your organization, actually, is because you guys aligned with my values. Understood. And we, we, um, you know, we, we appreciate that you are with us and we are very happy to have you as part of the family. Um, the, the things that you're talking about, I think a lot of people, you know, it resonates with a lot of people in our community and our, our community. Um, is you know a very tight knit and very um very supportive community, which I'm sure is also um something that you've uh, enjoyed. And when you look at the um roadmap for how this project, I know you have another project called Metahattan. Uh, if you want to talk, if you want to uh, shed some light on what that is uh, about, um, it, are these two projects that you're gonna kind of blend together at some point as well? Yeah, I mean, they will work together um, in the in the sense that uh, New York Culture Club will have a presence in the fashion district within um, the virtual or VR representation of Metahattan. Metahattan is also sooner than being a VR uh, environment. It will be an AR uh, function. So Metahattan is a blockchain integrated digital twin of Manhattan. So as I mentioned, it's going to be AR as well as VR, um, but we're building a scaled version of Manhattan and then connecting through AI, AR, well, I, I suppose spatial computing and geospatial awareness in general, um, we're kind of creating a twin environment of Manhattan. So you'll have a layer that you'll be able to come into and create on and people will be able to subscribe to your layer. So, for instance, I could walk into the Met and I could put my NFTs over the front of every painting, you know, in the Met. And someone who's subscribed to my layer will be able to see all of that, right? And if I want to snap my fingers and turn every building in Manhattan tie-dyed, well, I can do that. And then people will be able to come in and experience my layer and my representation of Manhattan. That's, that's really cool. That's um very innovative and unique uh kind of uh world i guess that you're building because you you're basically having uh, i think you mentioned you're having the 
everything that that's there physically will be there in your world. The difference will be uh, just the perception of the that the people have for that you know for their vision of it, and you know, the laws will be the same. I think he said, and the um, you know the zoning and all of the other like you know legalities will be essentially the same in your world as the real world, but then people can take their own spin and put it on your world or the real world. Sorry. That's correct. And a lot of this is because of like legal um, parameters that are set and will become more apparent to people as, as like more money goes into the space and it's built out more. Um, the, the way that our, the twinning aspect though um, is very different from what many virtual environments are focused on right now. And that digital twinning aspect will be able to affect this bridge between the physical and virtual um, as far as public health and safety or urban management. Um, so think about simulating weather patterns, right? Or simulating a category five hurricane in a scaled virtual environment and populated environment now, right? And then studying how um, we react to those types of things and how certain subway systems flood and understanding those things better to create, you know, more efficiency on a municipal scale. Um, there's, that's just one of many ways that you can bridge these two environments. Another example of a creative kind of philanthropic way, um, the public parks in Manhattan are going to be controlled by a DAO and underlying smart contract. So if you buy a virtual plot in a public park in Manhattan, the, the money goes back to the real New York City Park Services. So we're affecting real world change here in New York through the sale of virtual property. Wow, that's um, and and you've have you already um, have you do you have support from the city for that stuff? Like we are gaining support right now. So um, as you can imagine, um, something of this size and scale and infrastructure takes a lot of conversations. As, oh, I'm sure yeah, so. as you mentioned. Um, I've spent the last four months having a lot of those conversations and speaking um, to the individuals mainly who are involved in um, satellite imagery and uh, basically GIST systems, geographical information systems that have all the volumetric data for all these buildings. Um, so a lot of this is open source data. Like you could basically go look up, um, you know, the entire structure of manhattan all the individual tax lots and and everything um so it's actually quite um surprising that somebody hasn't really put put all this together um but over in europe they've been doing this for quite some time creating digital twin cities and they've been connecting those cities with smart city technologies or physical technologies right there in the grid which i hope will be moving in new york and and surrounding areas eventually, or we're going to be underwater. I mean, well, one thing I'll say is in the little that I know about the, um, you know, inner workings of governments and such, I can't imagine that the government would uh, turn down something that um, will inevitably put a, a, quite a bit of additional funds in their pocket. So uh, I think we might, I think you might have be onto something there. Yeah, well, that's actually the the um, politics of it all is um, it's it's 
intimately understanding that you do need to play ball with these individuals um, to getting what needs to be done done, you know. Um, but the blockchain side of this obviously puts pause and breaks to some of these people because they don't quite understand that side of it. But that's where our, um, that's where my background in finance comes in because people don't quite question when I speak to those things um, because they trust that I know what I'm doing. Um, which gives me a unique capability, which I understood when I left my job to go start these companies, um, is that I come from a world of understanding of, you know, tokenomics and economics in general, um, and and how all this operates on just a global financial scale. Understood. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I definitely having yeah, having a financial background is probably a benefit there as well, for sure. Well, what's occurring right now, and I, not to get off on a tangent, but with FTX, and I mean, this is very important for our industry in general, and this has caused you know, financial suffering for some, um, hopefully not too many people directly for permanent loss in the United States, but um, people have certainly lost their jobs and been affected macroeconomically. Um, and uh, this is where there's going to be a lot of regulation, right, that that creeps in that's much needed. Um, but in addition to that, like what people are now kind of thinking is some new concept, CBDCs or central banking, uh, digital currencies, th these things have been theorized and have been coming for quite some time. And uh, this is going to be a a reset of the financial system and what just occurred with FTX. I mean, a lot of money that was never supposed to exist was extracted from the system. That's a, that's like a national security risk. <laughs> that's true. Wow. Well, yeah. So, so with that, you know, I won't really get too much into that, but that's, it's just, what just happened was a really big deal. Um, and it will, it will change everything. Um, and uh, this will be used uh, to kind of put the the necessary regulations in place. But the problem is they, as they always are, um, in when done in haste, there will be things that are overlooked and uh, screwed up. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess I never really thought about it that way. That, that's definitely uh, when you create, you know, billions of dollars out of thin air that should not have been there. Uh, and now on top of that, you have the companies that, uh, FTX bailed out that are now not going to get bailed out anymore. So they're going to go under, um, you know, the contagion, I don't think has yet to be seen. Right. And who, who felt a lot of this pain. And then in, in the way that these things work is this was a zero sum game. Somebody got money. <laughs> So a lot of money, like I said, was extracted from the system. And in this particular case, there's rules that say, hey, you're not allowed to leverage this money. And they didn't play by those rules. And they created a lot more money out of thin air. And that money disappeared and went somewhere around the world. Well, yeah, apparently some of us sitting in the, in the Bahamas version of the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well... I mean, listen, it, it, it's not, this is all stuff that's like beyond, but um, it's important um, to, to what's going on right now, because some of these things are why people are uncomfortable with this space is because we still have some work to do. And it's because we're just figuring it out. 
I mean, I was growing up with the internet. Ken, you you probably were as well. I mean, you know, I I remember I was right on the cusp, you know. So um, it was just very interesting to watch people be very confused about that as well and not know what it was and um, to be questioning something that was not to be questioned. Like, I mean, professionals back in the late 90s would have told you it's not a question if the internet is coming. It is going to change everything. Like industry professionals said it time and time again. We have tapes of it. We can go back to the tape. Um, but people forget. It's why I always use this phrase, don't forget you forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember growing up like uh, very young. I probably was maybe 10 or 11, and that was my first experience with a computer. And I was you know, playing like Minesweeper uh, on my dad's computer. And you look at it now, and it's the world has changed very much since uh, Y2K. Um, you know, people thought the world was going to end because the clocks were, or the, the calendar was going to turn to three zeros at the end of it. And, you know, we see now, like, you know, obviously, it's just a matter of moving a couple of uh, decimals or moving a couple of numbers. It's not going to destroy your system. But now we're looking at a situation where technology is completely, you know, you have the Y2K basically over and uh, coming over again with the you know, the web bubble, and now we see like the crypto bubble potentially bursting with uh, FTX being the catalyst for that, and the space you know either NFTs or um, crypto in general, the strong will come out on the other side clean. Uh, but I think you're going to see um, you know a shakeup coming uh, in the across the board, especially once the you know the contagion finally takes hold and and flushes out the bad in the system but i think we'll be left with a with a with a stronger system at the end yeah there'll definitely be some consolidation i mean just like the tech bubble remember everyone goes oh the tech bubble remember when the tech bubble burst and i said yeah remember when we put tech in a grave and we just nailed nailed that coffin shut <laughs> that was the beginning like of all this it wasn't the end you know like people uh, act like you know this went away. I mean, if anything, technology's uh, compounding on itself at such a rapid rate that we can't even handle it. It's actually out of our control, and I think that's kind of what's happening with a lot of mental health issues. And just you know, us as humans can't really handle all this information. And I think people on a daily basis they take too many other people's opinions into account. What works for somebody else is not going to work for me. What works for me doesn't work for you, Ken. Like, I mean, it's just, it doesn't, like, some, there's universal themes of, like, working hard and showing up and being consistent and having self-discipline and things like that. But there's very big realities of who we are and what we are and what we represent and how we conduct ourselves. And, I mean, there, there's so many things out there that... Um, affect these things. And, and I think people intimately take people's opinions in and, and they, um, they put themselves through a lot of suffering that that doesn't need to occur. They need to probably trust their gut a little more. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with you there. The, you know, when you, when you go away from your gut and you go away from your instincts, you're going against your yourself and yourself punishes you very heavily when you go against yourself because you typically, you know, you're not going to end up in the better situation. You got to listen, you got to listen to your instincts. You got to listen to your gut. 
Yeah. And this is why um, we need good leadership too, right? We need, um, and this is why I try to tell people like, you know, if you know best, you know best, right? The customer isn't always right when it comes to you, you know, that's bullshit. And so I, I think people um, just need to feel more empowered to, to go for what they want. Um, and then we need to hold the line on some new tools that allow people to more better account for that ownership of their intellectual property, their time. See, that's the big thing here, too. We've used blockchain technology primarily to move money from point A to point B. That's it. That's basically all we've done. Now we've moved a little art around, just a little bit of art around. <laughs> you know, and some things, some asset-backed NFTs, but we haven't even gotten started, right? Most of what's been validated on blockchains is financial transactions. I mean, think about people selling their time this way and accounting for their time this way. Um, and I think that's why we need to focus on a technology also that helps us better account for ourselves in this new world. What is my digital self-worth? What is my physical self-worth? What's my time and what's my health? And that health affects that time. Absolutely. And I mean, when you when you think about it, I think a lot of the big problem is people are afraid of being judged, you know, for their what they think about something or how they do something. And if you if you spend less time worrying about what other people are going to think and just worry about doing what you think is best, then that is what turns you into a leader as opposed to a follower. Yeah. And some people are on that, that spectrum of where they want to be there. Right. And, um, I just, um, in my particular case, I, I try to lead others to, to feel empowered, you know? Um, but in that sense, I've been, talking you've been talking a lot should we just uh should we turn over a little bit i feel like i've just been uh talking about everybody well yeah no if, if anybody else has anything they'd like to uh share or ask or anything please uh go ahead and that's all that's an open invitation for everybody if you ever want to request the mic i will hand it right over i am not shy about that i scared everybody can <laughs> um I mean, yeah, I would love to hear from uh, POA also if uh, you have anything to add, uh, one of our other um, regulars as well. But um, Brian, thank you for that. And anybody has anything they'd like to share or um, ask uh, ask Brian about uh, fidgetal NFTs or um, you know wearable NFTs? Now's your chance because the guy's a genius in this in that uh, in that realm. So. Um, Songs of Eden, please. Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, wanna to say that it's uh, night time for me. It's uh, so I'm gonna thank you all and uh, yeah, this was really interesting to get this uh, the, the everything you you talked about, Brian. It was super super interesting and I resonate 100 percent with with uh, a lot what you said about uh, yeah, basically. The, basically the thing that uh, if you think about like uh, we all live our daily lives right you don't think like okay now I'm writing my mom with an email now I'm taking a flight with a QR code we, we just live our lives and it's all going to merge together into one unit so will the NFTs and whatever whatever they're going to be called in the future who knows but it's just such a good utility that will be a part of everybody's lives that's what I think. So with that, I'm going to say good night and uh, 
hope you will uh, have a great space. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, I'm I'm listening to you guys. That was uh, I don't even know what I was going to say because that was a little bit mind blowing. Getting <laughs> taken that information. Yeah, I think with the cool thing with yeah, we we I can hear you. Um, I think the cool thing with this is um, is once we just get some of the technology figured out. Um, this will take that form that we were talking about, right? It will reach what we call the the plateau of productivity, and it will just be the better way of doing things. And then we don't have to talk about it and talk about where all the wires go. People don't really care where all the wires go. They care that it works, and they care that something makes their life more efficient or it helps them and benefits them in some sort of way. And this technology has the ability to help you create ownership procedure for both your digital assets and your physical assets. And yes, there are some things that we need to figure out along the way. But once we get those things figured out and we're rapidly solving them, and OmniFlex is a leader, I believe, um, and, and has been for quite some time in being forward looking and visionary on what potentially could be some of the things to, to prioritize here. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, you know, I've, uh, especially in the NFT space, I've always had the sense that, you know, what we're most of what we're doing now is going to be like a be like a valuable uh, memento in the in the in the future for what NFTs were, you know, before they were actually because the tech is so, so early with that. It's just uh, I think we haven't found even the uh, real use case that we're going to find for these things in the future. Um, there's a lot of possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that um, what's nice about this, though, is we can look back and we'll have that history, right? At least that history won't be lost. So you're right. I, I do believe that, too, is like, think about like some of the websites back in 1998 or 1997, like they're not like around anymore. You can't really go to them. Um, they just went away, you know, or it's stored somewhere, some, you know, place. But this will, you'll be able to access these things. You'll be able to go back to these things. And I think that's an interesting use case for like afterlife kind of stuff and leaving like time capsules for people. Yeah, I think you might be right to that a little. Well, I can certainly keep things going here. <laughs> We're going to see people drop. We'll see people drop dramatically from here. We, we can talk about digital fun NFC bed and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's let's take it from here. Can't fix it, Mike. He's okay. What What do you do in this space, POA? Uh, I actually have uh, two collections on OmniFlix. Um, I'm a AI artist, uh, mostly where our collections are kind of telling a story through through the uh, NFTs themselves. So, but yeah, that's um that's what I do. I've been I've been in here for about. Uh, six months with Omniflex, uh, you know, been in the Cosmos ecosystem for a lot longer before that. But... Sorry, guys, can you guys hear me? We can. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for, uh, for keeping that going. Um, and POA, you're being very shy because uh, you are the master of the NFT airdrop over here. Um, so, yeah, 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 we, the, so, you know, we have two collections that are, um, 
they're it's a it's worlds and characters we're developing stories and they're it's a mixture of background and pfp but the way we develop the story is through airdrop so we started off with a initial uh small sales and then we uh airdrop the current holders and it's it's pretty interesting because then people you know they list the airdrops and uh other people start collecting those and then they get airdrops pretty nice little network effect um and it, it allows to tell a story because that's kind of what I think is is cool about the AI uh, itself is that you know with the prompts you can kind of uh, tell a story visually. So absolutely, and I mean, uh, so tell us just uh, for people that might not know about your project yet. Uh, the first was Pharaohs of Atlantis, and then the uh, and the second one is which. Uh, we have Rise of the Aztecs. Rise of the Aztecs. Uh, yeah, right before um, Halloween. And then we did a Halloween drop with it. So it's still pretty early in the story. Uh, sometime next month, we're going to be uh, we're gonna be actually adding an addition to both of those collections. So, so how do you, um, the storyline that you're creating there, that's... Um... Can you talk about the storyline for the Pharaohs of Atlantis and then um, and then and then the Aztec storyline? Are they intertwined in a way, or is that uh, you know? I know you have the airdrops to the initial holders and whatnot, but um, are these storylines that you're creating yourself, or are they drawn from somewhere? Well, I was a, a writer before I was, you know, um, I would I was very into writing stories and things like that. This. Um, and always been into mythology. Um, you know, that's kind of my artistic skill point was, um, has always been that as far as painting, drawing, uh, you know, was always loved doing it, but I, it was not, um, you know, I wasn't that skilled at it. Um, but so that's always been my form of art. And then whenever, uh, you know, we had different AI databases to create uh, art with, that just immediately blew my mind, you know, uh, caught my interest. And it's amazing to watch these things develop over time. But, um, yeah, so with Pharaohs of Atlantis, we um, there's a lot of Atlantis mythology that we can intertwine with uh, Egyptian, you know, the Egyptian story. So we uh, create the characters, backgrounds, things like that, that, are, um, that tell that story. And there will be an interconnection to... Uh, towards the end of these storylines right now there's only a um i think 50 in the aztec collection we want to uh get that to you know about the same amount as the pharaohs and then we're gonna yeah there will be a, a nice little twist at the end of this story that's beautiful i mean the uh the artwork is really is really is uh incredibly cool the um I, i've always been fascinated by the idea of the city of atlantis the lost city of atlantis um and seeing that kind of come to life in a, in a sense has been very cool. The question I have, what like drove you to pick these, um, th this direction for the story is like, is that something that you've been interested in for, uh, for, for a period of time or like, um, like why, why the, why the Aztecs and why the city of Atlantis? Yeah. Uh, the, the city of Atlantis, I've always been uh, very interested in. Uh, Aztecs, all these cultures, you know, I've been, that's, it's just always been a passion of mine, you know, but, uh, the Aztecs actually came about because we had a, we held a vote with the community, uh, through, uh, a few different cultures we could explore. 
because uh, you could really go anywhere with it. You know, I mean, we've we thought about quite a few different mythologies and cultures, uh, you know, Greek and different things like that. But yeah, that was one the one that the kind of the community helped me arrive upon. So, oh, very cool. What's uh, so what's next for you then? We're gonna continue out these uh, stories, um, you know, and then we're gonna basically these projects. I mean, that, that's kind of been from the beginning. We have a initial standpoint where you know how we're gonna develop the projects out, uh, but we want the community to be able to decide. You know, if we were if we decide we're gonna explore more cultures, release another collection, uh, airdrop the holders. Uh, you know, we you can you can go anywhere they have dowels things like that nowadays so i mean really the projects could go anywhere but we would like to kind of leave that open as true you know what build a community from the ground up and then have true uh uh decentralization in a sort uh you know with the nft collection so that's a very uh very interesting model to um to put to the storyline there I, I think you have mentioned in the past that your um, your intent is to kind of create a um, like a a story a story using Omniflix TV for this. Um, when you do that, will you kind of be taking your artwork and stitching it together to create a uh, a visual for the story, or is that or are you going to be doing a completely different uh, storyline for that? Uh, I've thought about both of those scenarios actually, because, you know, we, as, as limited as the collections are, we probably create 500, um, more that are for each, you know, 40 that actually end up in the, uh, collection just because they're kind of a, a perfectionist, but some of these are great too, you know, that we we're just, uh, holding on to great artwork, you know, so. I almost picture it like, uh, like one of those old fashioned flip books, like you have the, you know, the you flip through the, the the photos and then it becomes an animation and you know you can like marry it with some music or words and to, and tell a story and i think that would be a really cool uh progression for it yeah that would be that would be awesome i i've really watched or liked watching the uh, uh progression of omniflix tv that's a that's a really interesting idea too you know and that it goes so well with the timing you know of releasing a, a storyline nft collection too but uh, so that's definitely something we'd like to explore soon. Well, I definitely am excited to see what uh, what you'll do next because you are indeed the master of the airdrop when it comes to uh, when it comes to NFTs. And your first holders, uh, I think, will be uh, I think have been probably compensated in in the in, in excess of what they paid for your first NFT. Um, so your holders, I, I believe are probably some of the holdest, happiest holders in the cosmos. Yeah. I think there's actually only, uh, three listed now from the Pharaohs of Atlantis collection. All the holders decided they're going to keep them. <laughs> so, you know, that's got to make you feel good. Yeah. I like it, you know, because that, that was kind of the purpose anyway, of not having a high, um, mint price. You know, I, I know other collections do it differently, but really, you know, I just like to, um, kind of share the, the artwork and then we can build it up from the ground up and go where we're going to go from there, you know, but um, it was never to extract value or anything like that from the community. So, so. And what was the uh, initial mint price of the collection? The first one? The first one, uh, uh, 0.5 Adam. 
See, I, and I, I definitely agree with you, though, man, because if you use penetration pricing as a new artist, I think it's the, the, the best way to go because you bring people into your community. And once you have them, if you make them happy, they're going to continue to support you for the rest of your, you know, your NFT creating career and whatever you do after that, probably, um, or in addition to. So you, if you if you create low barriers to entry and you give everybody an opportunity to participate in your um, you know in your journey as an artist, I think that's the the best way to go when you're trying to build a community from scratch. Yeah, I think that's how you know that that's a good way for individual artists to do that because there's I see there's kind of like two methods of it. You know, you can have you can either already have a large community or build one initially, um, but then you have a high upkeep as well with the collection. So. Um, uh, a lot higher chance for failure, uh, different things like that. And, and in the same way too, you can, you know, you can basically bet on yourself and invest in yourself by maybe putting a slightly higher royalty than, uh, the initial mint price, uh, or relative to the initial mint price, because then your, your buyers or your collectors can see, Hey, this person's, you know, they're, getting me in here at a price that uh you know that isn't going to break the bank for me and i can support this project and then now yeah sure they got to get paid at some point for their work so when their royalty is 25% as opposed to maybe 10% it makes sense and it's not a prohibitive number if you're spending you know uh 100 bucks on an nft and see that the royalty is you know quite a bit then you might think later about your uh, ability to turn a profit on it because at the end of the day you know it's all an investment for everybody. So, um, when they're investing in the artists, so, um, giving people the ability to invest in you and support you, I think is, especially with the, the state of the economy is, uh, beneficial to everybody. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, um, I like seeing it, it be able to bring value to, uh, the community as well, you know, and that, that can progress even further in the future. That's another thing too, is that we can kind of sit back and watch this uh, technology progress and just move with it, you know? And I think what we learned here is that everybody wants to try to support everybody. You know, some people, they, some people have the, the means to support um, projects and others don't, but um, the support doesn't have to necessarily be by buying the NFT. The support can be, you know, showing up to your space or showing up, to um or just retweeting a post on on uh, on Twitter or uh, sharing it you know with your community and helping somebody else find uh, each other's projects and and sharing each other's talents with each other um, and, and that's the the thing that's uh, really I think gonna help the space grow even further and get more people to jump into the NFT space um, and see it as uh, you know, for the amazing utilities that are uh, available to people to to implement into their daily lives, into their uh, businesses, and into their you know passion projects. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think ownership is addictive. You know, once you're once once you get somebody in there and they realize what true ownership of uh, it's the same thing with you know crypto. That's that's what gets people hooked. You know, because a lot of times in the the world we live in today, you don't truly own a lot of the things that you, you interact with, you know, so. Well, in the same way that the white paper that was written by Satoshi was driven by the financial crisis in 2008, you know, I think it's going to take something and maybe it's the FTX, you know, the FTX situation 
that'll light a fire under people's asses to realize that you know if you're not in control of your crypto or you're not in control of your finances and you look at other you know certain places in the world where you know they can just press a button and you're locked out of your funds uh the banks will shut you off and bye-bye um you know, something typically has to drive people to go and seek another solution for uh, something that's outside of what they're accustomed to using or doing. And maybe the FTX thing is the first, you know, hat to drop or shoe to fall on, on that. Um, you know, I don't know if, Brian, you have uh, anything else you want to add on the uh, tangential topic that we've come to, um, or Sandy or anybody else. But um, yeah, we'd love to open the floor up to everybody. I mean, I, I guess I'll give my thoughts on what I think's happening with the like the DeFi. I think DeFi will really pick up from here because that that regulation will come, and then we'll see. Um, in an in an unfortunate way, but fortunate way, we'll see that the banks aren't going away. They're going to use these technologies to probably enhance their efficiency within this own space but what it will do will it will compress fees down right through those banking institutions and they'll be forced to do business a little better um than they they used to um but i i don't think for a minute right like our entire banking system wells fargo and jp morgan and bank of america are going away um but this is this is a better, more efficient way of of moving things around and accounting for things in in many ways. But uh, yeah, I, I think that those those participants will still be here, and some people may choose to still go to a bank because they feel comfortable with that, right? But again, hopefully, those fees are a little less in the future. <laughs> very true. Uh, very true. And I mean, and people that are, you know, that are older, you know, they're not going to feel comfortable with crypto. They're going to think it's, you know, that, that it's not uh, you know, safe for them or they're not going to understand it. And people don't necessarily want to put money in, in things they can't understand. But um, I think the, the important thing or the goal should be to educate those people and show them, um, you know, the benefits of it and let them make a decision for themselves based on the, the pros and cons for them. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it, it's what works for for individuals and that's why we've got choices but um you know the, i guess the best thing that you can do is make a case for why you know what you believe in is the the best way and and that's the the beauty of selling yeah and i th i also think micro economies will shape out of these new currency systems right so we may not all have to be on such a universal banking standard Right, we can maybe operate within these more localized communities and find value um, and stores of value within these localized communities and prosper off of that and find better ways of doing things for ourselves. Um, and you know, l allow cloud countries to kind of form and and be the way they will be from an operational perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think we've got a. A bit of a road ahead of us in terms of uh, getting full adoption with crypto, but we're on the right track. And as we continue to shake out, you know, the the bad actors or the negatives in the space, um, you'll see a the kind of the cream come to the top. And you know, the that's the we, we've got probably you know twenty thousand different crypto communities today, uh, maybe more honestly at this point. 
and I think you'll see maybe a dwindling of the ones that are, you know, just not um, fully serious or fully um, have, you know, real products behind them and real, you know, community driven initiatives behind them. Because what drives a, uh, you know, a project is the community behind it. Without a, pro- without a community the project doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how cool the project is, it's not going to go anywhere. And if you can get a group behind it that's supportive of it, like Luna, you know, you see like the people that are supportive of Luna are still supportive of Luna. And that project looks like it's going to try to make a comeback in a serious way. And when you've got a group of people like that, that are, you know, lunatics and fanatics, um, the project will survive because they're going to be people that, that support it come, you know, hell or high water. And when you can build a following like that in any kind of business or community or space, um, you know, you got to get people to believe in you. And it's, it's all about uh, getting people passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, 100%. I mean, most people don't make decisions because they've, you know, looked at some real hard data and spent a lot of time thinking about it. Most people make decisions very emotionally, right? Absolutely. Um, well, I think we um, have tangled here as well. Uh, if you'd like to hop in and share about your um, upcoming uh, release of the IBC card game, would love to hear from you as well. And uh, thank you for joining us from Australia. We had one of uh, one of your co-country women uh, here earlier today. You um, might have met her yesterday, but the Australians are in strong force in Omniflex. Hi everyone, thanks, Chef. Um, yeah, that was RL, RIL, right? Real? Is that yeah. who you were talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, she's amazing. I just met her the other night, so that was um, a Sandy Toes initiative. She's a, she's bringing everyone in. Doesn't matter what country they're from. She's got um, you know influence across the board. So uh, thanks again, Sandy Toes, for just being such an amazing uh, you know community kind of driver and and pushing for that growth similar to you can um but yeah like a lot of what everyone was talking about before i talk about ibc game uh, i also just you know in terms of mainstream adoption and and we're talking about cryptocurrency or uh, a lot of these micro economies kind of forming i think one of the the, the biggest um, roadblocks and obstacles that I still face, particularly on onboarding new people, because there's a lot of people I meet in real life that are quite interested in what I do. And and when when they say, oh, you know, what NFTs are you making or what projects are you running? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm actually working with a, like a, a blockchain uh, organization um, and a lot of like a, a founder group. And, and we're looking into NFTs in gaming and and interactive nfts and and a lot of community engagement tools so you know i I describe to them a lot of the things that omniflix is building and they're like oh that's amazing like how do i see this can i purchase an nft can i you know how do i get involved and it's like oh well the first thing you need to do is you have to get a kepler wallet or you have to get a a compatible wallet like cosmos station and they're like okay what's that it's like oh it's like a web app and they're like, okay, so if I get that, can I just interact? And I'm like, oh, well, you've got to get, you've got to get the tokens first. You've got to get Atom or Osmosis. And what, what's that? It's like there's like five steps before you can even start interacting. So a lot of the things that I think are slowly being shipped um, 
like I know Osmosis is creating the fiat on ramp, and I know there's huge fee issues at the moment. But I think slowly, as those those kind of systemic or UI barriers start to come down, I think that's when we'll really start to see a lot of the benefits. Because again, like you said, you need to be a bit of a fanatic, a little bit of a um, really embedded and, and deeply interested in the uh, in the environment before you. Uh, before you have skin in the game, you have to really be uh, deep doing a deep dive sometimes. And um, once those walls come down, I think that'll be the next phase. People will start coming in at scale. And then, then it'll be a question of, um, then it'll be a question of regulation. How, how much does this whole CNBC, like central bank um, digital currencies and, and like regulations and, all of that. How does that stifle adoption and innovation? So those are just my two cents in relation to the topic you guys are already talking about. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I meant to, um, sorry, how rude of me to not uh, ask you to comment on that. I meant to. Um, so thank you for doing that. And uh, can you also uh, bring a, fill us in on the uh, world of IBC card game? Yeah, so all I've been doing, you know, I haven't had much sleep over the last um, uh, over the last week. I've been trying to finish all of the uh, the NFTs, and you know, we're looking at almost nine hundred to a thousand individual NFTs. But but the card game, like if anyone doesn't know, um, I'm, I'm constantly talking about this card game, and I'm working with the Omniflix team and and the community. Um, but you know, this is season two of a NFT player versus player. Um, strategy card games fairly simple it's easy to pick up but once you get past the kind of basic foundational rules of this strategic game the utilities and 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 the random effects uh, um, you might want to call it those just create a quite a multitude of different options and um, that's where a lot of the complexity comes in so when you're playing this game it's easy to it's easy to just pick up and 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 jump on and, and have a bit of a game but the complexity comes into the strategy and and all the different options. So um, we're in season two. For sure. Sorry, what was that, Ken? There's, there's quite a bit of strategy that goes into playing it, for sure. I mean, when you think about the different, like, you know, the ways that you can play your deck, I mean, I, when you're playing Flicks, I guess, uh, you know, you're going to probably get slaughtered either way. But, um, or, or, but when you got people that are, um, you know, that are new to the game, they kind of they learn real quick, you know what what the how to play because if they might not they, the first game that they play they might not know the ins and outs, but then they see you know they got they just got like dissected in like three moves by somebody because they use their cards right and they know their decks well and they know you know the best way to you know leverage the um any I think you got to do scouting reports too if you're a player you know you got to go and see who you're playing and look at their uh, check out their wallet and take the time to go look and see what they're holding because if you that's like free open ledger like uh you know data that you can take and use that to your advantage because then you can say all right maybe i print out their copy of their list and say now i see what cards they got and i can kind of strategize around what they have and build a game plan for yourself yeah look obviously i wouldn't want to get too much into the to the weeds um and um of the game but obviously the game is um underpins a lot of the use of Omniflix. So I think that's one of the big things that we're exploring at the moment is the fact that there's an interactive game 
uh, there's different ways to engage with your community. So obviously I'm going to have a promotional campaign over the next week and release a whole bunch of um, information about the collaborative efforts with different groups. Now, what can you uh, share what um, projects you've collaborated with on this? Yep. So just at a high level, um, I have been uh, working with uh, Civilizations SG. So they have a Vikings. I don't know if um, you've seen them, but they have a Vikings collection, Women from Cosmos. Um, there's a Viking Village. So that's Wild Developer. Um, not NFT before they unfortunately disbanded, but I'm still um, utilizing the art of the Knots series. Um, and then Diseased Humans and Wad Squad. So, um, you know, there's a bunch of projects that I reached out to and had a bit of a chat over the last couple of months, and, and they were really pumped to uh, incorporate some of their artwork into IBC game. And hopefully I, I, I've done them justice, so they've given me permission to reinterpret their artwork uh, into the game, into the cards. And, you know, there was this constant feedback loop with them getting their approval, um, providing them with concept drafts. And and I think all of them are reasonably satisfied or, or very excited. And so that's going to be happening over the next week is I'm going to be releasing the result of those collaborations over the over the coming weeks and leading up to the promotion of IBC games. So we're looking to launch and mint around the end of November or, or be mint ready by the end of November because, um, again, this is a card game and it's not just going to be one type of launch. There's going to be starter decks where you purchase uh, or you pre-purchase a NFT that entitles you to an airdrop of a starter deck. There's also going to be a launch pad or it's intended that there's going to be a launch pad page similar to a lot of these other random mints where people require a, a separate launch pad page. And then I've been also talking to Sitzler and and depending on when you unlock the auctions mechanism, there's going to be some ultra rare cards that are going to be put out to the community, no reserve, uh, just to put it out there for everyone. Uh, and we're going to try to auction off some of the NFTs before we really start getting into the nitty-gritty of the game so a lot of things happening um, i don't want to bog down the chat again with ibc game but um but thank you um for having me on chev i'm always appreciate your support and helping me um promote the game of course man um, you as well and i think poa has a question for you uh yeah I, I, man that's an awesome idea with uh incorporating other nft collections from around cosmos into the uh game i was just wondering for you know, anybody that's uh, new to the collection, um, how do you actually get involved with the uh, the games that you're running? So do you uh, buy the NFTs off the, the marketplace or do you mint them directly? Thanks for, thanks for your question, mate. Um, I think the main thing is at the moment, so I try to facilitate uh, just gamers in general. So you don't have to buy the NFTs. If you jump onto the Discord, if you go into... Um, you know, my Twitter, I have a, a pin post, jump onto the Discord, um, download, there's a starter kit for any person. So anyone can jump into this Discord, download a starter kit, which has a sample deck, it has the rules, and it has your live scoring tool, which enables you to calculate the scores without having to do, you know, manual computation. Um, and then you'll you'll get a feel of what the game involves. And if you want to have a game, I incentivize community games by, um, you know, having monthly raffles. So if you just jump in, download the free sample deck and you want to have a game, 
go do it. Um, reach out to a community member, record a couple of games on the Discord, and you go into the monthly raffle. I'll be giving out for November any verified gamers. There's an ultra rare. Uh, so fortunately for me, some community members have swept the floor on some of these ultra rare NFTs and they've donated back to me to give to the community, which is amazing. Um, so for verified gamers, they'll be running, I'll be running a raffle at the end of November. But even for non-verified gamers, just anyone willing to try the game, I have a Wad Squad NFT support from Wad Squad. And, you know, so each month, anyone involved, there's something in it for everyone um really the way that i've um you know structured the the discord and the game and um even the pricing of the nfts i really just want to encourage adoption of the game and because this is more a bit of a passion project for me as opposed to trying to purely just extract value from an nft project i really want to explore how far a kind of semi-decentralized cosmos cosmos uh, themed game will go and you know if you're not in the community you won't know how deeply embedded the different actors and the different community members are within this game so even beyond the collaborations um, as Ken would know um, I'm not going to expressly describe who is involved in what but every single NFT has a connection to the cosmos and there are particular ones which have um, you know have they're basically a homage to a, a community member within the Omniflix ecosystem or Cosmos ecosystem. And if you're around them or you know them, it'll it'll pop out to you immediately. So, you know, I don't, I'm not formulating um, a law per se on my own. I, I use the, the history and the events that are happening in the Cosmos on a day-to-day -day basis to influence a lot of the story-making and crafting of what IBC game turns into. Um, the entire lore is based on the cosmos and um, anyone within the ecosystem will, um, I think they'll enjoy the story as it evolves. So um, if you do want to jump on, um, I will send you some links and feel free to jump on, download the starter kit and, and get involved, mate. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I'll go check it out. Yeah, I've been watching your... Uh your collection developed for a while it's that's really awesome man that game you're running you know i i appreciate the sentiment behind uh development first you know so and yeah look, I, oh sorry go ahead man sorry ken i just i just want to um i just the i think the main thing that um i would like to say to everyone is Omniflix, and again, I, I guess I'm a bit biased because I've uh, all my collections are on Omniflix, but the one thing that the um, Cosmos ecosystem allows us to do, particularly with low gas fees and a kind of a vibrant creator environment, is to really explore different things. So I'm a solo artist. I just don't have the resources to pay a huge team. I, I have to do the marketing, the promotion, the creation, the collaborations. I have to do my own artwork. Um, I do leverage um, AI, which assists greatly. But, um, you know, I do have to do the video editing, photo editing, special effects layers and, and blending of the different layers. So um, there's, I probably spend way too much time um, and I could probably outsource, but I really do want to see how everything works. And so for solo artists, I think that it's just, I really want to hammer home the fact that you're not, um, you're not prevented from 
from exploring and implementing ideas in this space. You know, it's not like OpenSea or trying to launch on Ethereum where even it's cost prohibitive sometimes, um, particularly when it's, there's a lot of congestion. Um, you know, half of my resources it, when I was going to try to launch on OpenSea would have been taken up by gas fees and the establishment fee. And a lot of that just isn't here in the cosmos. And um, I don't think that's clear yet. I don't really think that a lot of the benefits are um, obvious to a lot of um, non-Cosmos native um, players. And um, hopefully we all can kind of push that the benefits through um, promotion and education. And I don't know how much you had a chance to hear um, uh, what Brian was talking about earlier, but um, as a person that's new to the cosmos or, and new to Omniflix, um, wh- what would you say to him uh, based on your experience, you know, hearing uh, what you did about what he's um, putting together and what he's working on? I'll have to follow that up. I'm, I apologize, Brian. Um, I don't think I was there for that. So I'll go through the through the um, the tweets that you've put up. But Ken, do you want to give me a, a, like a two second summary of of what he's looking for and getting involved in yeah absolutely so he's got a um a really incredible initiative where he's um building a uh well actually he's here so i'll let him uh give the the two minute for you the two uh the two liner for you yeah well um my two companies are New York Culture Club and Metahatton. New York Culture Club is a Web3 lifestyle and apparel brand. And what sets us kind of apart is our physical apparel is embedded um, with NFC chipping and different types of microelectronics to tie it back to decentralized blockchains. So we're creating digital twins, as you can see above on the board, um, uh, for physical uh, items and tying those physical items via a certificate of authenticity or authority, whatever you want to call it, uh, back to verify the authenticity and a number of other items uh, in addition to that that we call the Garfax or Garment Facts. Uh, Metahatton is a blockchain integrated digital twin of Manhattan. Uh, so we're creating an AR and uh, a VR um functioning product that uh, people can come into and have their layer of creation uh, on a, on a layer of Manhattan. Yeah. Look again, I'm just a solo artist. So you, you've obviously done a whole bunch of um, you've looked at this in a whole different perspective, particularly from your, from your companies. And um, I, I think that what I was saying previously is, is on point in terms of what you're trying to do is explore the possibilities, right? And um, as part of this Manhattan framework, and as part of your of your um, project, you're also going to be onboarding and, and spreading awareness of the benefits of blockchain technology and the ease of use of, of a platform like Omniflix. So, you know, whether you're a company that's doing big things and creating real products in in the real world, or whether you're someone like me who's a solo artist who's doing and testing the mechanics of a self-made game from scratch. Like, I think that just shows the breadth of the possibilities on blockchain technology, NFTs, and it's not just about flipping JPEGs, right? It's, and and we're in a bear market. There's not much noise at the moment. Everyone's just building, and it just shows the diversity of the talent and the knowledge in the space. And I do think that we're still in a bit of a vacuum and I think we're focusing on our work and delivery, but there will be a point where 
I think we all need to help each other and collaborate and really get the message out because, you know, once things start picking up and people really see the real world products and the benefits, um, yeah, that whole messaging still needs to penetrate because everyone I talk to, uh, this could be just an Australian issue, but everyone I talk to has a, has has strong feelings either way. And in the majority, most people talk to me like I'm a scammer. Like I, I'm not asking anyone to buy anything. I, you know, I'm just talking about the technology and I'm talking about what I do um, for my, um, you know, as, as a passion project. And there are people who have quite violent, and emotive like responses and call like basically saying I'm a shaman, a scammer, and I'm trying to bring young, impressionable or non-technological people into a, a, like a known scam. And I'm trying to scam people. And it's like, how do you, how do you um, dispel that myth when there's literally proof on chain and, and in the public where, you know, I have a website, I have a vibrant community. I'm not, you know, there's no Ponzi tokenomics, there's no play to earn, there's none of that. And there's a vibrant secondary market where there's real people trading with each other outside of myself. Um, you know, it, and it, it's just that piece that I think that over the next few years will be a, a, big, a big thing, a big factor, I think. Agreed. And yeah, thank you. And um, I think that, like you said, that I, and, and you probably, hopefully do a good job of not internalizing like that stuff. Right. Because, um, there's always going to be really uh, a lot of confusion around something that's really powerful. Right. So I think it just goes to show how powerful this is. Um, but I mean, like you kind of referred to those people are like suspending reality itself. I mean, this technology has moved over a trillion dollars back and forth across this planet for over a decade with basically no problems. <laughs> so, you know, I would just say that back to someone, you know, who says that and just say like, I don't, I don't know. I guess if you disagree, you're just not paying attention to like reality. Um, but I believe me, I share in your frustration like that you can have sometimes when people look at you, like you're trying to fleece somebody and you're like, man i'm I'm trying to follow the new tools that are going to help us actually get get to somewhere better yep that's definitely 100 percent, brian like um i i deal with a lot of people in 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 real life in in competitive card game environments where they play magic the gathering um there's uh, esports ecosystems and um they 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 often ask me why don't you just make a real um card game and and sell a real card game and i'm like well i didn't you know i'm not here to make a card game and turn it into a business and then sell it even though maybe down the track that'll be obviously an ultimate goal to be sustainable what what i did was i wanted to explore the idea of creating a game and 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 as time went on as people started to jump on and enjoy it there was a realization that you know you you, you can build this and and continue to learn from the community and kind of build as you go. And, it, and you know, there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, you clearly just want to divert people to NFT so you can flip them and sell them. And, and it's like, oh, you know, how do I, how do I, uh, you obviously can't do it alone. It's almost like an industry thing. And with things like FTX and a lot of the kind of back of house, uh, dodgy, um, untrustworthy activities, particularly at the kind of industry level, 
enterprise level, it, it's going to be a really tough mission to dispel that, I think. Yeah, but you're you're doing the good work every day and we need to do the good work together, right? And so we just show up and we say what that per- particular individual did is no reflection on you, me, Ken, or anybody else in this room, right? We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't over leverage client deposits. We didn't commit fraud. Like that, that is that person. Like I've actually had a couple people in the past week say to me, like, well, what do you think? Like, bad look, huh? You know, a lot of egg on your face, huh? And I've kind of looked at them and I've said, like, that, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, just as, you know, other financial professionals didn't take Bernie Madoff's like crimes on themselves, like, you wouldn't take that. This has nothing to do with any of us. Um, so, you know, I commend you and others to just, you know, like continue moving forward as you are, because that's, that's all we can do is just show people through our actions and show people that we show up every day and we're doing the right things. And if we do that with consistency and care for others and empathy, I said it this morning at a breakfast that New York Culture Club held, I said, we have to wage a war of compassion. You know, and that war of compassion needs to be stronger than this crap that's going on on the other side. And it is that serious, you know, and I think when people say onboarding and they say, I don't want to use the term onboarding, I say, no, use onboarding because it's that serious. Yeah, we're using a technical term because you're opening your first bank, your first bank, not bank account, your bank. So that person needs to understand the responsibilities that come along with that, right? If an NFT goes missing out of your wallet or money goes missing out of your, your digital wallet, um, who do you call? Unfortunately, Ken can't help you get it back. <laughs> like, it's just that you wanted responsibility for it. So it went missing. Well, what were you doing? Where, where were you? <laughs> the education is the biggest part of it because without education, People are going to be, you know, especially people that aren't so tech savvy, they're going to have a diff- they're going to have a tough time. But then when they see, you know, if, if you give them the education and you give them the, you know, something that's cut and dry in front of them and they can see, OK, this is, you know, I, I just got to save these words. It's the same thing as a social security number. They you know ever since you were born, you've had your social security number and they tell you, hey, don't show your social your social to anybody. Don't put it out there on the Internet. Don't give it out. Don't read it out over the phone unless you know it's a secure line. You know, you just got to protect your private keys the same way that you protect your social security number. And any time you got to do a government document, you need that social security number. Eventually, you memorize it. And I'm not saying that people are going to memorize their private keys. It would be probably beneficial. Um, you know, if you say something enough times, if you read it 100 times and you have a 12-word 12, 12 private key, I guarantee if you read it 100 times, you're going to memorize it. Yeah. And it never was perfect. Right. So what you just mentioned, people's social security numbers are compromised all the time. Like people's financial information and medical records are compromised all the time. Like we live in a, like a world where, you know, we think these things are buttoned up, but they're not like, they're really just not. And, and we're actually crazy enough. We're trying to put the things in place to make sure they really are buttoned up. And that your financial records and health records at a corporate level or, or for yourself are custodied and that they are not shared with others or leaked or, yeah. So a lot of this is just a better way uh, of doing things. And, and it's more secure, which obviously equates to better. 
But um, I guess what maybe throws people off is the idea of it being an open ledger, because then they think their privacy is at risk because everyone can see everything. But it's not necessarily, you know, it doesn't really work that way. From what I've, from what I read, um, you know, let's say you're, um, you know, a government agency, it's probably pretty easy for you to track down where a payment went, um, especially you know if they're in, if the wallet's interacting with, um, you know, with smart contracts and whatnot, makes it a little bit easier to target people down. But it's not really, I don't think they're going after you, looking for you like that, unless you're doing something that's you know illegal. And if you're doing something illegal or um, you know funding a terrorist organization through cryptocurrency. Then yeah, you deserve to go to jail. Um, but the fact that it's an open ledger, it just means that you can see what everybody is doing and see that you know that that what somebody says they're holding is what they're holding. And in some cases, you know that might not be the best for privacy um, because with the idea of cash, you know you, you don't you can stick money in your wallet if you're you know if you want and you don't no one knows that the cash is there. But um, you know when you have um, that it's not private by default. Then it kind of opens up, a, you know, a little bit to um, the idea of well, what's then mine, or what's then able to be kept a secret of mine? You know, do I need to tell the world that I own a million dollar NFT, or do I not? Or is that able to be, you know, secured in some way? Um, so I guess when you see things like Tornado Cash being people that have used Tornado Cash, which might not people that are using that might not be com- committing any crime. They just they just want privacy, the same way that they would if they had cash. Um, things like that are kind of, I guess, in a way concerning, but, um, I think at the end of the day, the, you know, the regulations will come down and I think give a sense of, uh, calm to the entire space as a whole to just kind of understand like where things are at and get, you know, a baseline for things. And then once you have that baseline, you can operate from there with that knowledge. Yeah, and you can uh, you can start educating people too, you know, because I think that's one of the biggest issues in the space is you're educated about your uh, social security number from, you know, day one, but you know you're not educated on any of these uh, technologies and ultimate responsibility. You know, is it's a difficult thing. You know, you a lot of times the price you pay for uh, freedom is you give up the safety net that you have. You know, but but well, markets do. Markets do not like uncertainty. So once you have certainty, I think you'll have a better uh, or more stable market. Because right now things are volatile and they're, they're volatile because there's no stability and there's no um, you know assured way forward and no one knows if another exchange is going to go down or what's going to happen. So I think when you see a little bit more uh, calm in the market will be when you have a little bit more um, direction in the market from whether it be regulators or whether it be um you know crypto centralized crypto exchanges showing that they actually have you know dollar for dollar you know the assets that are represented in their um in their customers wallets sitting in their accounts you know that'll i think add a little bit of calm to the space um you know having a guideline for what is legal and what is not legal uh for people all around the world would be beneficial because then they'll know what they can do without having to worry about getting sanctioned by the SEC for creating an NFT project. Um, So those are just very uh, basic things, especially when you're operating in an area of uncertainty, you're going to have people that are just not going to take the chance and not get get involved at all. 
um, which is going to continue to stifle adoption from happening because you're going to have people that just don't want to get involved because they're afraid. Um, and that's fear is not good, especially when it's stifling innovation. But I will open up the floor to anybody else that wants to share anything. Otherwise, um, I believe we'll uh, wind down the space uh, in just a moment here. Um, so if anybody that hasn't spoken would like to come up and speak, I'll uh, hand the mic over to you right away. Um, or if, anybody, if any of you guys have anything else you'd like to share, um, feel free. Uh, and I thank you all for joining us on the first Saturday in the studio. Um, and we will continue to build and continue to um, you know, bring the good word of non-fungible fun to people in this time zone. I have one question. Yes, sir. And I don't know if you, like, we haven't spoken about this in a lot of the chats for a while, but um, <laughs> any any updates on Flixdrop? One Flix. <laughs> How did I don't know. Um, no updates at the moment. Uh, the same uh, drumbeat is continuing of the, um, you know, we, we just are waiting for StreamSwap to uh be finalized and then we can launch flicks and then the definite that i can give you is four to six weeks after you see the stream swap sale go live um you will be getting your prayers of when flicks uh answered and one last question um i know that you guys are all working on an updated ui uh, and interface to omniflix Yes, sir. Um, will will that be purely for the marketplace, or is that also going to up, update um, OmniFlix TV and um, Studio and everything like that? No, that will update OmniFlix TV and OmniFlix Studio by default. Because right now, OmniFlix TV is um, it's an alpha and it's not permissionless at the moment. So right now, to create a video on OmniFlix TV. You send us the link and you tell us the interaction points or the uh, you know where you want the embeds to be for the uh, points of interaction within the video, and we'll take care of it for you. And you'll have a you'll have a interactive video in uh, you know hours to maybe a day. Um, but when the update hits, you'll have a permissionless platform where um, it'll be a lot more like a decentralized version of Twitch. Um, you know, you'll be able to uh, start live streams. You'll be able to um you know, it'll be a much sleeker design the design is actually really really freaking cool uh and as well as for the market the market uh, is like mind-blowing um it, i think it's going to be one of the like one of the most uh i guess it's the right word for that one of the best uh, one of the best designs for a marketplace in the space i think um just because of the way that it's going to be structured in terms of uh, showing the different kinds of NFTs that we support. Because I think right now we have 13 different kinds of NFTs on the marketplace. Um, and you'll see the growth of the platform uh, across the board. So you'll have the ability to create videos from OmniFlix Studio. You'll have the ability to um, publish those videos directly to OmniFlix TV. Um, you'll have the updates to the marketplace, which will create the ability to obviously, uh, by that point, have the auctions and then also have um you know additional uh ways of filtering you'll have the ability to uh visualize the marketplace in a much better way um and then you'll also have of course the newest member of the omniflix family uh a couple more platforms on the way 
uh, in the back burner, we have Omniflix Nucleus, which will be your content consumption, um, kind of like a Netflix structure, uh, which is white labelable. And you'll be able to host all of your video, audio, um, or text-based content in there um, for the entire community to enjoy. You can customize that however you deem fit. You can um, you know, tailor it to your community, make it as a subdomain on your own domain. It's yours. It's a sovereign publishing platform. And what does that mean? It means that if a... Uh, let's say the servers at Amazon go down, you know, you're going to be still up and running because you're on the Omniflix blockchain. Um, so all of the actions will be happening on chain for Omniflix TV at that point. Uh, right now, it's like a web 2.5 platform. There's certain interactions that are just happening uh, on chain. And then there's some uh, interactions that are happening off chain. So it's like a web 2.5 platform right now. The primary uh, interactions that happen on chain are the um, the connection of the wallets and the, you know, it supports right now, um, EVM and Cosmos. Uh, so we do have interoperability on that platform. Um, you can log in with your MetaMask wallet and you can do it on the Polygon network, the Ethereum network, or the, uh, um, Binance network. And then on the Cosmos, you've got, uh, quite a few networks that you can participate in any video from. And the beauty of it is, it's just if you look at the if you look at the invites that I send out, things in the mirror are closer than they appear, and that is what Flix is. Thank you very much for the update. I'm I'm super excited for that. I think once we start kind of honing in and and we're not using all of these different platforms and we're able to live stream and engage with the community, utilizing you know our own kind of platform and NFTs and um, we're able to record engagement. I think that's like that's ridiculous potential right there. And I, I'm like I'm not entirely sure what other platforms are doing it on Cosmos or if there's a comparable um, infrastructure platform play on any other chain. Maybe other people can mention it, but this is like super exciting for me, particularly from um, like my esports background and live streaming and just interacting with communities in a different way. Um, and that's really what I'm following closely um, on top of, you know, the NFT marketplace. Not to mention that, not to mention, but it'll also include uh, the updates that I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, where it'll be um, allowing you to incentivize uh, the community to share your content and to um, you know, help bringing help onboard mem- new members into your community uh, and, and in, in a way that you can incentivize them to do so. Uh, which I think will you know, motivate people and light some fires under some asses and get people, um, you know, referring and sharing and connecting people to people, which is the you know the whole goal of the community. That's what a community is. So uh, big things are coming, and I think a good way or a good analogy for it would be uh, the next update to the Omniflix platform will be like Omniflix's bar mitzvah. And with that, I think that is a uh, as good of a way to end it as possible. And I really, 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 really appreciate um, everybody that participated today. Uh, Songs of Eden and um, and Rill are no longer with us here, but thank you so much to them. And the Omni Owls will fly, fly, fly into the night, um, and maybe they'll you know land on a bloom. 
Um, and thank you, Brian, for sharing about the New York Culture Club and Manhattan, um, and for all of your insightful uh, content that you've shared with us. Um, Entangled, thank you as always. POA, thank you. Sandy, last but not least, definitely not least, thank you so much for everything that you do for the community and for always being here, participating, and uh, you know, inviting your uh, incredibly talented friends to join our community and participate with us. Uh, we really, really appreciate you uh, very much. So all of you guys, you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your weekend. Um, and I will see you back here uh, next Friday and Saturday on In the Studio. And this has been the first installment of In the Studio on Saturday. So we'll call it In the Studio Saturdays. Um, and get out there and mint your bipolar blooms and your Omniflix owls or your Omni owls. And maybe you'll be lucky enough to get the one that's signed because there is a signed one in there uh, by Songs of Eden. And it is a digitally signed uh, NFT. So one of you lucky, lucky people will be getting that signed NFT. Who will it be? Will it be you? You got to mint one to find out. Have a great weekend. Much love to all of you. And be kind to each other. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Omniflix in the studio, Saturday edition. Episode 28, Saturday edition though. Recorded on Saturday, November 19th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo, I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back, doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack not everybody's always in it for the money looking like another crooked sunday and i'm working monday so you know i ain't stressing left debating great methods amazed to play inception the base state less see even with these huge sums of overall royalties the sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small small many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks leaving only some portion of that for the actual artist. Can't say they're making pennies, pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies per play. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens When people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom Just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth Like a rabid dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit Trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through When I'm making my music
Yeah. <laughs>